Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I'm sorry for what happened to you. Well, don't be. I'm not fishing for sympathy here. I did the crime. I'm doing the time. Time isn't doing me. I do my own time, not the institutions. See, to hold on to who you are in there, you dedicate yourself to your podcast. You work out your body (laughs) and your mind. (laughs) There should be a whole prequel that's him in prison. Just getting jacked? Yeah, that's like Brawl in Cell Block 99, right? Like, that's just him thumping people in prison. I, I like this movie, but the establishment of him in prison, you're just like, this is the movie I want to be watching. What the fuck has this guy been doing? Well, right. I mean, and the prison thing, I feel like, is mostly there, so it's like, so that's why he's good at fighting and stuff. Because of prison. Right. He learned all of it in prison. Like, to tape magazines to himself. (sighs) Fucking... You know, but the The battle towel. body armor. I love that. Yeah. And it's great, but right, I want to see, like, Black Hat Origins. This is all you need to know about Black Hat. And we could almost end the episode here. It is one of the biggest flops of the last 10 years. True. And it is a two-plus-hour movie about the world's sexiest computer hacker that ends with Thor wrapped up in magazines challenging a man to a screwdriver fight. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Challenging, like, a portly Dutch guy who's not famous. Right. Like, it's not like it's, like, him versus insert other marquee idol here. Like, him and Christian Bale. Finally meet. No, the man who up until this point, his his biggest credit was the rapist and girl with the dragon tattoo. Right. And then the other guy is the Chechen from the Dark Knight. Yes. Right. There's the those are those are the two final bosses. And he's screwdrivers. <laughs> Screwdriver. Um, can't get more analog than that. That's true. That's see, that's this is part of my whole take on the movie. The magazines. Oh no, of course. Screwdriver. Right? He's going primal. Well, yeah. the other thing that you need to mention Who's, though, and you, people say print is dead. Right. Print's keeping him alive. The other thing you need to know in your one sentence pitch is print kills. (laughs) Um, Is that, uh, oh, and also in the original version of the movie, a nuclear meltdown happened at the start and it was moved near the end and made no difference. Like, you know, it was fine being moved, right? You know what I mean? Like they almost put it in the wrong place. Okay, let's get the introductions out of the way because we need to talk about the the placement of that piece and the questions it arises (laughs) in both cuts of the movie. Because this is a podcast called Blank Check. I'm Griffin. I'm David. Sim. Newman. Our name is Griffin David Sims Newman. That's right. And We're we're beginning to merge into one. We're becoming one creature. Right. Uh, it's a podcast called Blank Check. It's about filmographies. We're going to be the one friend. Who have passed success early on in their career. They give a series of blank checks, make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce baby. And this, we've, we've hit it. This is the final film. This is it? And who knows? Is this it? That's my question. We have a guest. You can got, talk. I mean, has, well, you, has you know, is a real student of this man's work and his career and has spoken to him many times. Do you get the sense that, that this might be the swan song or do you feel like he's going to make another one happen? I think he definitely wants to make another mm-hmm. one. I mean, I don't okay. he, this was not meant to be his. Right. He's not making song. this thinking like, I'm going to end on no. Hemsworth wrapped in magazine. <laughs> and he has set up Salute, several films Hollywood. since this movie. Right. They've announced, they've cast, and then the films have fallen apart. Yeah. Although with him, I, I get the sense nothing ever really falls apart. Sure. Uh, it I just mean, gets like deep yeah. backburnered and who right. knows. 
Yeah, and he's always working on different things. And I think he also, I mean, he's been working on this uh, Huey miniseries mm-hmm. um, based on this book about the Vietnam War. Uh, and last time I talked to him, he had just come back from Vietnam. Where he was location scouting, although I don't know if that means that it's a go project or if right. he's just location scouting because he's, you know, kind of he's an obsessively that. busy person. Yeah, I imagine he's a guy who does two years of location scouting. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, I mean, Self-funded. On a movie that never happened. Yeah, right. And you guys probably talked about this, but, like, Heat is the perfect example of a movie that, like, yes. he worked on for, for years. Right. And then, like, made it. Yeah. <laughs> and then was like, eh, actually, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm never finished making a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what's crazy about the uh, the, the nuclear meltdown sequence in this movie mm-hmm. is that uh, you feel like putting it at the beginning was him going like, I don't know, why not try it? Right. It was a last second idea that then was the, made it the second that they had to strike up the DCPs. Right. And then it came out in theaters that way. And then he immediately went like, nah, not a good idea. Yeah, why is that there? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, there's sort of no finality to the idea of the movie being released to him. That's Michael Mann. Right. It's like, that's just the first version. Right. Yeah. Um, We're talking about Michael Mann, of course. We're Michael Mansplaining. This miniseries is called The Cast of the Podhecans. Today we're talking about Black Cat. And our guest is the great Bill Gardering. Hello. He's back. He's back, baby. Back in Black Hat. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So let's talk about Tenet, people. No, I'm not, I'm kidding. Just last time you were here, we were talking to Nolan. We were talking to Nolan. Oh, that's right. We're yeah. pretty amped, uh, David and I, about the fact that that movie is titled Tenet. Tenet. It's yep. pretty thrilling to see, like, untitled Warner Brothers event film get replaced on the calendar with Tenet. <laughs> that's ten- Tenet, right? Tenet. 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 Yes, you're mm-hmm. right. That's not usually the type of title you see associated with a July blockbuster in 2020. An no. untitled event film. Exactly. Right. Godzilla, Tenet. Yeah. Which number of film is that for Nolan? 11? It's not his 10th film, is it? I feel like Dunkirk was 10. Am I wrong about that? Let's count them. I think this is 11. I mean, it's somewhere in that yeah. zone, right? Like, okay. F- uh, following, following Memento. Mento. Okay, you're going to do the count. Yeah, with counting. It's 11. It's oh. 11. Okay. Dunkirk was 10. Great okay. tenth movie, perfect tenth movie. Yeah. I mean, really, kind of like the ultimate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, well, what is this? What is Black Hat for Man? Twelve. Is it? Is it that? I think. For not count Jericho Mile, which, and I want your opinion on this. A lot of our European listeners have gotten angry. This is his eleventh movie. If wow. You don't count really? Jericho Mile. If you count Jericho Mile, it's it makes 12. it twelve. Okay. Interesting. If you count L.A. Takedown, that makes it thirteen. You know, like this is right. obviously the sort of. The liminal yeah. space. I count Jericho Mile because I I love it. Sure, and it feels cinematic to me. And right. like I would love to see that movie on a big screen. The thing is, I don't count the keep because it sucks. Interesting. <laughs> Get Interesting. Get out of there, <laughs> or lock it up. Keep it in there. I mean, yes. The argument with Jericho Mile, much like with Duel, yes. Spielberg's Duel is right. It did play in theaters, not in America, but in elsewhere. Europe. So that kind of makes it a movie, right. right? So a lot of our European listeners are saying you should take it seriously. By this point, we will have already released a Patreon episode covering Jericho Mile, which right. is our concession to that. But the thing for me is, I fall under what was the intent when it was produced. And Jericho Mile was produced as a television film. That's true. It was shot on film. And as was tradition back then, most American uh, TV films were released in theaters. There are a lot of examples of pilots being released in theaters. Sure. 
uh, you know, two-hour pilots being released in theaters. I don't think that makes the Starsky and Hutch pilot a movie. I don't know. You know? Maybe it is. Who directed it? I don't know. I think Starsky and Hutch was released as a fucking movie in Europe. Though. I believe you. If not that, I mean, many of those sorts of cop shows. And Battlestar Galactica was a movie in Europe, but it wasn't here. There are uh, things right. like that. Um, no, well, that was back in the day when television was a newer thing. And, yeah. you know, maybe you have to go see a movie to see a thing. I don't fucking know. And I, it was, I this is not an argument I want no, to have. No, <laughs> uh, We haven't watched it yet. I have, like, no stakes in this. At the time we're recording, we haven't watched it Jericho yet. Jericho Mile is have, the only Michael Mann thing I've never seen. We will have watched and, uh, it by the time I want to see it. It's out. really good. Yeah. It is I mean, really good. Yeah. I'm sorry, is it Dennehy? Is Dennehy, Dennehy in it? I think Dennehy's in it. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think, I think so. I know it's out on Blu-ray. I'm thinking of buying the Blu-ray because otherwise you watch like a really shitty VHS yes. YouTube right. cut. Get, it, get the blue. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep, Dennehy's in there. Yes. Uh, we've got, I mean, Peter Strauss is the. Yeah, okay. The and then, of course, uh, past and future guest Richard Lawson. Is there an actor named Richard Lawson? Yeah, oh, you yeah. don't know that guy? Uh, he's, he's, no. he's one of those guys. He's been. He's, he's, he's an African American oh, yes, actor. Yes, uh, the director of Trolls. <laughs> I don't think I know it's this like guy. Six wow. bits deep. Uh, yeah, you know, sorry. he's a. Uh, We're inceptioning bits here. Uh, he's yeah. He's just he's a guy, right? How he's, else would you describe him? He's, he's like, a that guy. You're like, oh, you're like, oh, that oh yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, that sure, guy. sure. I know that guy. I'm looking him up now. It's a Poltergeist, Streets of Fire. Good movies. Good movies too. Wow. Um. All right. But anyway. We're not talking about the Jericho. No, we're not. Sorry. We're talking about we're Richard talking about Lawson's IMDb page. Oh, right. We're talking about Black Hat. Um, but as you say, I'd love to uh, I'd love to see him make another movie. Like oh, yeah, I, I, I don't I like this movie a lot. I don't want this to be his last movie. He's only seventy five. I think he's he can churn out some more. He can Ridley Scott it for a while, right? He's an active guy, you yeah. know. I mean he's 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 a a serial developer of things yeah. and eventually some of them happen and some of them don't well, and you know. Do you know better than like that's what it always like He's someone who, right, he can sit on projects for a while. He doesn't make movies quickly, usually, although mm. sometimes he has sort of creative flurries. Yeah. But how, after six years, is this the movie that comes, like, that he actually <sighs> signed, like, green, like, this actually happened? There's six years between yeah, Public, Public Enemies. Yeah, Public Enemies is 09. Wow. This is 15. I mean, wow. I guess it was meant for 14. It got yeah. sort of shunted to January. Right. But, uh, like, how is it, like, that you're like, you know what? Yeah, the hacker drama with Thor. Okay, I got a take on this. Well, he produces, too. No, I know he yeah, produces, yeah. of course, right. Like, why is this the one he settled on? Not that I disapprove exactly. I'm just sort of intrigued that the more prestige things we've heard him be attached to don't go. Like the Ferrari movies. Or yeah. Or, you know, whatever. whatever. There's some more Oscar-y sounding things. I think to some degree, this is my conjecture. I think to some degree, in a weird way, he was able to disguise this to make it sound like it was a more commercial film. Sure. Because yeah. it was modern. You got Thor. You got a big sexy movie star. You got China. You know, the, you can the get the Chinese computers. market. With That's the, the yeah. big thing is you have Legendary. Legendary is now being acquired by a Chinese company at the time that this movie's going in development. Mm -hmm. They're the sort of first big production company to really put an emphasis on, like, we have to make films that work in Asian markets. And I think he pitched them a movie that sounded like the math added up. When if you actually look at this movie, of course this movie didn't do well. It's insane it did as poorly as it did. Yeah. But of course this movie at a, a fucking $70 million budget or whatever it is is not right. going to perform at that level. He was also working on it for years. I right. mean, it, you know, I mean, they, they shot it all around the world. And I, I mean, I remember this thing being a movie on the horizon forever. Yeah. Um, they so, would always, you know. I feel like in interviews he would talk about, like, I'm just very interested in this world. This would be one of those things where he's like, Here's a profession. Here's a subculture. Here's a shifting landscape that I'm interested in. I'm just doing research and research and research 
trying to figure out what the story is there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I think, how he works, really. Yes. And, and, um, I also feel like this film actually kind of fits in this loose trilogy with Miami Vice and Public Enemies. I mean, there is this yeah. kind of look at how surveillance and technology has kind of infiltrated our lives. I mean, you could even look at those three movies as, I mean, the order would have to be reversed, but it's kind of a progression, right? I mean, you look at Public Enemies and it's about technology yeah. and surveillance and how they completely overwhelm, you know, this this like outlaw figure who's you know trying to trying to get away from both the mob and the authorities and meanwhile both sides are like you know rapidly changing and becoming much more the very nature of crime is shifting around him the definition of right like digital crime versus analog crime right Right. like that's what public enemies is about for sure that's what miami vice is about kind of this feels very of a piece with miami vice sure sure um but i mean the thing for me is i'll say I think the context in which this movie plays the worst is the exact context we have created. I think <laughs> if you were watching this mm-hmm. at the end of watching 11 Michael Mann movies in quick succession, <laughs> largely in order, the movie plays worse than like when it came out in theaters and a lot of people dismissed it. And I saw it. And I was like, this is an interesting movie. This yeah. is a Michael Mann movie. There's a lot going on here. I'm comparing this to the other movies in the landscape right now. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching it three weeks after you watch like the, collateral right i don't know how well the movie you might be like oh weird huh (laughs) this feels sloppier this feels weird and and it also is like the whole thing i think the thing that made everyone write this movie off in the lead up to its release which is the ridiculous element that people just either can't get past or someone like me i think is what makes the movie interesting is like it's a hacker movie in which thor plays the hacker and he's also the best fighter in the world and he's super fucking cool uh, 100%. It's like a crazy Hong Kong movie in right. that way. Like, it has that vibe, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, There's an element of it being like like a Stallone or like a Schwarzenegger yes. or a Cruise movie where it's like the whole movie has to be about how this guy's the best. Except it's a movie star whose persona is not that. He just is this perfect genetic His persona is not that set, really. Right. Yeah, yeah. he right, hasn't exactly. settled into his, like, I'm kind of funny too thing no. yet. Yeah. But Wait, he, what were you going to say? Look, I'm no, I was going to say, oh. I mean, but, except that I remember at the time people said, oh, God, you know, this guy, you know, Chris Hemsworth doesn't look anything like a hacker. But I kept thinking to myself, well, but he could conceivably look like somebody who's been in jail for years and has been, like, working out. Yeah. Right? Right. Here's my other thing. What does a hacker look like? No, that's it. Right. Like, what what are they supposed to look like? Get get over it. I, I think we're still kind of married to this, like, definition of a hacker from, like, 30 years ago, which is why I almost exclusively auditioned to play hackers. So viewed through that prism, but, you know, it's like, but, you so it's like but, I'd be great in black. But, 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 but what's ironic? But what's ironic is that the movie actually contains that stereotype of in the villain, who is right. this like slobby yeah, guy in a basement somewhere, right. poorly yeah. nobody, who, right. right? Like is just at home all the but time. But that's the point: is it's like being a, a, a hacker is equivalent now to like being a doctor. Like it used to be, right. there was one type of super sure, yeah. antisocial indoor neurotic who would be a hacker. Right. But now, like, a hacker could be one of 18 stereotypes. And I think the bigger thing is, Michael Mann is obviously obsessed with, like, these guys who are driven to power. Sure. Feeling some sort of rush, being able to do something well, do something that makes them feel in control of their own lives, of the universe, of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you go, like, what he's doing is he's recasting in a way that's actually uh, overdue the idea of a hacker being, like, a modern thief. And there's so many movies about bank heists and thieves that are 
incredibly handsome, attractive, buff movie stars. Yeah. Uh, when in real life, most thieves probably look like Jim Belushi. Right. You know? As they should. Right. Um, and so it, no one goes like, well, a real thief wouldn't look like George Clooney. That's impossible. You're, of course not. You're right. I mean, right. Because people have seen To Catch a Thief or whatever. It's like, one of those I mean, movies. Like the handsome yeah. right, it's, Most people don't look like George Clooney. Right, exactly. I mean, this is also right. right. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. I always, I'm just usually very opposed to what you're talking about. The sort of like, this movie stars in a movie playing right. a character. Yeah. He's a movie star. No one looks like him. And it's like, yeah. this, he's a movie star. You just said it. He should be the star right. of the movie. That's I mean, how the rules work. The argument with Hemsworth is there's a little bit for him, and some of this is out of his control. I mean, Hemsworth is like a tree trunk. Like, That's yeah, what I was going right, to say. Yeah. And it's also out of his control because he hit the map playing four. He hit the map playing, right. So everyone's like, god. impression of him <laughs> right. is like, oh, this like perfect golden god, like a literal golden god. There's a little mm. bit of the Schwarzenegger thing or the rock thing where when he enters a room, you want people to be like, no one else thinks it's crazy Who this guy this? looks like this. <laughs> Someone call the media. Right, even a movie like this where he's relatively toned down, you expect that every scene is interrupted by a guy being like, hey, I'm a talent agent. Please take my car. <laughs> you should do commercials or something. Like someone needs to acknowledge. You're wearing the hell out of that undershirt. Right, yeah. right. But I do think we accept these things of like traditionally like unbelievably handsome, charismatic X Factor movie stars can play cops. And they can play robbers. And they can play all these other sort of badass, powerful types that Michael Mann is usually obsessed with. And the hacker is one that's still stuck in this sort of antiquated stereotype. And he's just like, no, the movie's about a world in which the power is shifted. And now the type of guy that I'm interested in as a movie character wouldn't be robbing a bank. The thing he would do is learn how to code. So I'm still going to make a movie about the same kind of guy. His skill is just going to be different. I mean, he he literally made a movie about how bank robbing became an essentially unprofitable activity. Right. Where it's like, that's that scene in, in Public Enemies. Right. Where Frank Nitty is like, I make what you steal in a day. Like, yeah. you know, every day. Like, what, right. what, what's the point of you anymore? Right. And this is just another classic Michael Manker. I mean, he even has the, like, I don't burn people line. Which is almost exactly the same line that Al Pacino says in The Insider. Like, I don't burn people. Right. That It's like these guys of principle who also are kind of scoundrels. Right. Who are pissing everyone off. But who imagine are trying if to be the Pacino pow- had been the hacker. I mean, that's the thing. You go, like, in 1987, it probably would have been. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. But that's also a concession, too. In 2015, 2014, whatever, if he wants to make this movie, he needs to cast a superhero. Like, I know. That's the only way he's going to get his financing. But this is also one of the only, I feel like it's the only movie with none of his guys in it. John Ortiz. John Ortiz is the one exception, right? Yeah. Right. But you're kind of like, you're sort of looking for those man fellas, those right. spaces. Bruce McGill. And, yeah. And I, got, I hope McElhaney should be in every Yeah, Michael he absolutely. Movie. Like, yeah. If there are more Michael Mann exactly. movies, you know he's right. There's a new the ensemble yeah. at his fingertips here. Viola like, Davis turns out to be a perfect Michael Mann company Viola player. Davis, I mean, then she made Widows, which is right. basically like, um, you know, Michael Mann's spirit movie, right? <laughs> like, So this is a question for you. She's so suited to it. For you right off the bat, Bilga. Uh, I saw the theatrical when it came out in theaters. I saw the uh, director's cut, which is now streaming on FX. Yeah, and it's on the FX and now on the app. app. Yeah, but it says like this version has been modified. No, but that's that's just uh, airplane language. No, I had you know also I mean? read that the director's cut when he played it at BAM was two hours sixteen, and this cut came in at like two nine. Hmm. So I feel like this definitely was the cut where it's rearranged where the the power plant happens halfway through or whatever. Right. It was that sequencing, 
But I was trying to figure out if scenes were missing or not. And there was a scene I was waiting for the whole movie that didn't happen. And I now am trying to figure out, did I create this scene in my mind, <laughs> which is very possible, or did I watch a cut of this movie that doesn't have the scene in it? I remember there being a scene where Viola Davis tells Chris Hemsworth a story about her husband. No, uh, she offhandedly mentions right. There's the something. Right, there's that scene where, the men- where she mentions it. She mentions the whole McElhaney. Where he goes, who did you lose? And she says, my husband. Right. There's a scene with John Ortiz where she invokes 9-11 and she says, I yeah. lost people. You don't get to tell me. Yeah. What but, did she say to Hemsworth? I just maybe in my head blew it up to be a bigger moment. I don't remember her saying anything to Hemsworth. Right? Okay. I, I remember Those her, are the two mentions. She, right. she says it on the phone to John Ortiz. Yeah. Right? And they hear it. Right. Um, and then Holt McElhaney asks her about right. it later. It up. And in fact, the first time I saw the film, I... I missed that yeah. that initial uh, mention of it to John Ortiz so that later on it seemed to come out of the blue, which right. I actually thought was kind of interesting. I thought it was kind of yeah. cool where yeah. he's like, I know who you are. Like, yeah. I know right. what kind of a public servant you are. Yeah. Right. yeah. I just, I think I created this scene in my head because I even, the mental image was outside of uh, the airport where the car gets bombed, where Viola Davis gets killed. I remember the two of them standing outside there and her talking about her husband. Not in like some big emotional confessional way. I, I don't remember I, the but scene. I, I remember that as being I like, oh, that's Viola's this. Oscar this scene. Is, right. is, I invented it. S- yeah. Sergei Eisenstein is like applauding in his <laughs> grave right now. Like this is this is his like theory of montage right. just like personified. Right. Right. Because she's not even in that location at the point when that scene would happen. You're just like, you know what? Shot. I'm sure Viola would rock that scene. That's that's, what I think like. honestly, I was like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's not really Black Hat style anyway. No. Black Hat style is more offhand kind of like, yeah. 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 So I, my assumption is the reason they moved the power plant up to the cold open of the movie is because at some point the studios went, wait a second, the first act of this movie is just about soy futures? Right. It's, it, it must have been that they thought it was too slow a build. They right. Wanted- like we got to get some steaks, instant steaks here, and it can't just be that soy futures are expensive. They probably wanted a pop. And I yeah. wouldn't, uh, and I don't know that it would have been. Maybe man did too. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think man yeah. probably thought that way too. I will say, I mean, as much as I love this movie, and I've watched it, you know, I've watched both versions many times. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I do think, I, I do think that maybe there need there needed to be one more hack, like there because because <laughs> sure because in the director's the director's cut works much better. It does, but yeah. it is kind of like this this like soy futures hack or Chicago mm-hmm. you know, Mercantile Exchange hack. And then, like, all hell breaks loose, and they're right. pulling people out of prison to, like, right. help them. And, it, you, like, it feels like something more urgent needs to happen mm-hmm. for this whole, you know, Hathaway business to, to really like, work. Desperate measures call for desperate, yeah, yeah offer yeah. him whatever he wants. Literally, the only guy in the world who can help us solve this is, like, in prison, and we need to get him out, and we don't have any time. Like, right. I'll, I'll so say, it makes yeah. sense for there to be, like, a, like a, a thing, reactor a explosion thing. or something. I, I do think that's, like, a weird example of the, like, Speaking of, like, Eisenstein and creating weird meaning through, like, edits and juxtapositions of things, Mm -hmm. I think the theatrical version has more urgency to it. Sure. Because it starts with a catastrophic event. Even if the placement of that event doesn't make any sense, you kind of accept it as, like, an underlying tension to every scene that then weirdly isn't referenced until halfway through the movie. Well, and it's, it's, (laughs) well, yeah, like, weirdly, like, they, 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 
after all this other shit happens, right. they finally go to Start the side. Like, oh, we just like, go there. Right. Right. And, right. And it's like cuts to like the exact same shot of these guys running. It's like it's right. like literally 10 seconds I later. I remember in the theater being like, this is clearly what happened. Like before the story had even leaked out of like, oh, he reassembled the chronology. Right. It was just like clearly this was not supposed to happen in this early story. in the movie. Yeah. Of course. But the other thing that happens is, yes, there is some urgency at the beginning when you put the reactor at the beginning. Yeah. But then the story kind of de-escalates. Yeah, which is, that's the right, whole which problem. Which is interesting. Like, because, yes. it, I mean, it goes from, I mean, it starts with a, like a oh, fucking shit. nuclear reactor. Okay, right. and, then, yes. and then it goes to, you know, soy futures. Right, right. And finally, it's like, he's cornering the market on tin? Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, <laughs> that's what I, I mean, right. I mean, that's the Michael Manning yeah, though. Right. I love it. Where yeah. he's like, you, you don't understand. Soy is everything. Yeah. You yeah. know, right. Oh, yeah. yeah my, my fa- I mean, the, like, uh, that in the director's cut, that scene, which is not in the theatrical, but of the the ship trying to yes, yeah, right, know, yeah, that yeah, weird scene of the, 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 the port of really Amsterdam, right, from great Captain scene, too. but like right. the most yeah. Michael Mann thing you can imagine, yeah, because yeah. it's like, you know, the ship can't dock, not right. because there's anything wrong with the ship, the no. insurance, right, right, it's like. Their cargo's value has increased, so they don't have the requisite amount of insurance to die. It's like that is the most Michael Mann thing you can imagine. And also, that's you see in that scene in a nutshell why Michael Mann wanted to make a movie about cybercrime because it's like so weird that someone can do something on a remote laptop in two seconds that jeopardizes a boat currently in motion. (laughs) You know, that like immediately the ripple effect of that, right? While disconnected is so strong that a boat just stops, but. Right, and I I like all that and that yeah. notion that like our relationship with China is so fraught in the cybersecurity sector, but so important in the trade sector. Yeah, and like that it's all getting flipped around. But yeah, that's some that's some dad reading an Economist article, yeah. you know, level <laughs> yeah. of tension. Can you believe? And then they stopped the boat. <laughs> right. Like I don't see like Universal execs right. being like. Hold up a second. The insurance? Oh my, this is, we got to rush this to production. Yeah, like. As as you say, Belga, it doesn't feel to me like it's a studio mandated thing. I would just assume believe that man came to that decision himself because he's like, oh fuck, I want to be more exciting. Yeah, yeah. But it does feel like a kind of panicked thing of like, can you have the movie start with something that feels this much out of the Wall Street Journal? Yeah. You know? At this budget level. Sold as an action movie. It's like, you know, I kind of want my ideal hybrid version of this movie to be like, there's the reactor explosion at the beginning, and then it happens again. (laughs) I don't know what the escalation of that is, but that, exactly. Then he fires a nuke. I don't know. What's a cool hacker thing to do? That's this other thing I think he's exploring in this is like, so I understand now the people who know how to work uh, computers are more powerful than any people have ever been, right? The right, amount right. you can The more affect, we connect everything to computers, the more we empower them. If you yes. speak that language, those who are the most fluent have a greater capacity to affect the entire world in a moment than anyone ever has. Especially if they're black hats, which are like hackers who are like, I just want to sow chaos and like right. be bad. Right. But his thing is like, how do I make this visually exciting? Like, how do I make an action film right. out of a thing that in terms of the physical action is pretty fucking boring. And I think he's experimenting so much with like, how do you construct the story around it so that it has consequence? How do you make the, you know, foot chases around the hackings, Mm -hmm. you know, ticking clocks on the hacking. And then also all the weird shit he's doing with like, how am I going to shoot this? Yeah, let's let's, let's have lines moving through wires. Yeah, and the whole thing feels to me like a visual exercise. Yes. Because, I mean, 
every other shot in the film has some sort of grid in it. Even if, yes. like, I mean, even if it's not a grid, it's like everything is patterned in that way. Yeah. And even the way Hathaway moves through space is right. like, like early on in the prison, you see him through the bars as they're carrying him. But then, like, that echoes later when the scene with the in Indonesia in the parade where he's like slowly making his way mm-hmm. towards, um, towards right, Kassar. through these yeah. lines yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like finally he's like, he finally has some agency and he's able to move through this world finally, you know? Right. And Michael Mann's a city he's guy. He's ghost man. He's ghost he's man. Ghost man. Yeah. He's ghost manning around. Michael Mann's a city guy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and obviously one of his most recurring, uh, he loves his his nighttime cityscape, seeing the grid of a city and the lights yeah. at a distance where you can't see the individual people or the cars, but you understand the way that the city is bustling. Right. When I saw this in theaters, and the first time it goes inside the computer, I was like, oh, fuck. Is I he messing it. this up? Like, is he, like, trying to be, like, computers are exciting? Because there's so many, like, swordfish-esque movies sure. in which they, like, speed ramp through the circuit board. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is too performative. But the thing he does is... He stays in these things for a long time, and they the longer you're inside a computer, you're looking at a circuit board, you're looking at the wires, you're looking at the literal internet or whatever he's sort of showing you, yeah. the more cold and desolate it becomes, and the more you start paying attention to the weird patterns oh, yeah, and yeah. the grids and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And it's like, for him, it's just another city. Yeah. yeah. You know? 100%. Absolutely. And it's like, if he did one really fast 15-second thing, I'd be, be like, like roll Grandpa's trying this? to show us the internet. He gets the internet. <laughs> Series of tubes. Right. But when it lasts for like 85 seconds, yeah. you're like, this scares him. Oh, yeah. And then there's a there's one moment where it like, the action of like what's happening on the, it like slows down. Yes. And there's like almost like a, I can't remember if it's like almost a close-up on a, on one of the other, one of the lights in the corner as if like we're supposed to know what that means. Right. Yes. He likes the uh, um, what's the, the the dramatic flashing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. Like oh oh, I see. Like this that, is all the take. That is crazy, right? That yes, it's of course, like it's crazy. A single light going off, we like a microscopic light in a box. Get rid of it. Right, can like destroy everything in a moment. Um, because he's he. This is about like this. There was a real program that like disrupted the Iranian nuclear mm-hmm. program. So incredibly mm-hmm. even though it was secret i think yeah like that's what he's initially inspired by that like there were these cyber attacks that right. basically just like shut down whole reactors that we didn't yeah. even know about sure because yeah. unlike attacks of of physical violence which end up on the news it's these mostly things are just sort of like, silent what the fuck right what, what fucking hell like you know it's just that right. it's yeah. us calling verizon and being like I can't I can't watch Succession on HBO. And the amount of time in the first chunk of this movie that is devoted to Christian Borle, right? Mm-hmm. Who is like one of Broadway's best like musical comedy actors. Absolutely. Playing like a guy at an office who's like, I didn't let anyone use my computer. <laughs> Why is everyone on my case? And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. Right. Well, except for that one guy. Right, right. <laughs> but that's the thing. It feels so like that couldn't actually cause anything bad to happen. This is a movie where like a fishing attack is like a pivotal second act action sequence, right? right? right. William Mapother succumbing right. to a fishing attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, else, what else? There's another thing. Well, right. And then the, 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 the USB. The, right. Um, oh, yeah. The telltale USB. Yeah. The hotel lobby. Yeah, any of those things. It's like... Uh, but, like, there's movies like Entrapment that are the same fucking thing, but they suck. Right. I, like, I'm, you're right. There's a. It's very hard to uh, make this feel like it has any stakes. Well, right. he's, he's not interested in the things that make... 
like those movies try to make this stuff sexy by was, exactly. by actually they, sexing yeah, it up. They always default to like, what if someone ha- had sex? Basically, like while this was happening, yeah, right. Like that's the swordfish move. That's the entrapment move. Like, right? Can yeah. we like literally just have naked bodies like right there? Is right. that a way yeah. to make this spicier? Right. And um, and and, in, and but but in man's case, it's like no no no. I'm, I'm going to make it sexy by just like showing you how a, a circuit board is like a cityscape at night. Which like which like the the man fans yeah. like us We're are like, just like oh my god oh yeah. my god that is totally sexy <laughs> and the regal court street that I saw this oh it's empty oh no right. it's here right. yeah. no and and the guy is sexy and the lady is sexy Absolutely. and they have sexy oh, yeah. sex sure. once they've finished hacking they right. put their computers well, away they have that classic uh, man sex though where you're sort of like squinting at the frame right. for a second you're like is this one body or two yeah. okay oh I see you know but, like, but you he know. doesn't you know he doesn't click her boobs there isn't a scene where she's getting off on how well he hacks like sure. i think that's a thing in all the sort of 90s early 2000s yeah. cybercrime movies we're talking about where it's like the woman starts to like get off when the guy is coding really fast oh yeah yeah you know and they're like this guy doesn't code like other people he's like a rebel coder absolutely you know they're trying to this isn't your granddaddy's computer program right and this know. movie is just like no they're like professionals and it's like you math. know that hugh jackman isn't your granddaddy's computer, computer coder because right. he lives in an airstream trailer and plays golf off the roof. Remember that? Yeah, Swordfish? that movie's crazy. That movie that is movie's actually insane. Yeah. Terrible. It's yes. truly bad, but it it's one of those movies where you watch it and you're like, oh, this has a little more uh, deeper roots in the culture than I thought it would at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, there's a lot of movies like this. Oh, yeah. Uh, and obviously, it's a derivative movie itself. Right. But it's, it is it is insane. Who, Dominic Senna? Is that a Dominic it's Senna? It's Dominic Senna. Yeah. What's he up to now? I think he did Season of the Witch. Did he not? My beloved Season of the Witch. <laughs> Your beloved <laughs> Milga, have you? It is a good movie. I like Season of the Witch. Thank you. I like Season of the Witch. I bring it up all the time. People think I'm like sort of reclaiming as a trash masterpiece. I think that's actually a really good functional. You know, I really enjoyed it. He's a musical video director. Claire Foy, great in that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Her breakup. Um, but uh, (laughs) her best performance. His five (laughs) movies. The titular witch. (laughs) The titular witch. I've already spoiled the twist on this podcast. Right, that she is Satan. Right. I think that's such a brilliant twist. It's like the whole movie is like, is she a witch or not? Do witches exist? And like. No, the witch thing was like an Archie Satan. Witches. She, you wish she was a witch. He made California, Gone in 60 right. Seconds, Swordfish, Whiteout, Season of the Witch. It's five and out for Rem- Dominic. Remind me mm-hmm. how you spell California? Uh, with a K. Oh, very cool. At least it's not with a backwards K. Yeah. That would be the, the doubling, you know. Like, yes. Right. A hat on like, a hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the trailer goes like. <laughs> so, you know, it's extra twisted. Yeah. No, but I, I think there. I view this movie, the weird movie I, I view this as a sister piece to is uh, Night of Cups. Uh, sure. Another fine film. Yep. Uh, the, 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 my favorite of the, the three Malick sort of, you know. No question. Personal yes. you know, plot light sort of, uh, what, what is it to be a person movies? Right. And in both cases. <laughs> to describe, how would you describe? People call them the twirly movies or whatever, but I don't know what the I word the is. twirlies are good. I, I think Bill is making their face. He doesn't no, no. I, no okay. that, I wouldn't call them the twirly movies. <laughs> a lot of twirling, that's all. First like of all, the there's twirling. twirling in the other movies. There is. Too. I know. He's twirl heavy. Twirling's all right. How, how would you, whatever those three movies are. You know, I, I always want to call them the autobiography. I was about, uh, autobiographical right. They're all trilogy, about some except part of that, like, life. Like Tree of Life is also autobiography. So yeah, it's Tree of like Life is the sort of. Tetralogy. Right. It's sort of like one foot in each uh, yeah. world. See, my thing is, I movement. what I view those three films as are, I'm going to make three movies trying to explain and explore why I didn't make a movie for 20 years. Right. Yeah. 
Like the, the whole mythology of right, right, Terrence right. Malick that was like, why did he disappear? All these right. contrasting stories. Did, yeah. did he have a total mental breakdown? Was he like above the industry? Was he below the industry? Like all three of those movies are like, uh, I mean, To the Wonder is the relationship that he had during right. those wilderness years. And Knight of Cups is like how he felt like a fucking phony sure. when he was at his the peak of his success. Yeah, it's his Barton Fink. Right. And then Song to Song is like his like the industry is evil movie. Sure. Right. And also I think I think Song to Song is uh, is also about how Austin has changed. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Which it's I don't a, know much about. I, I don't I, this is actually something I've heard from other people who are like that actually that, that film for people in Austin mm-hmm. who I guess are uh, you know in tune with Malik movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that film actually has a lot of, you know, very personal resonance, apparently. They're interesting movies. I think Knife Cups them. is the best. I agree. And I think Knife Cups was the one that people laughed off the most because they were like, this feels like self-parody. Well, also and, like Dan Harmon's in it. I think people were just baffled by it. But they that were like, to what me do I, is like, I agree. The, I like it's, it. It's, it's the one with least narrative. Correct. Yes. You know, no, pretty much no narrative. Right. right. Yeah. But it's bro- broken into the relationships. Yeah. And the key to the movie is all the weird, like, why is Joe Latrulio in this? Why is Dan Harmon in this? Why are there so many comedy writers and sketch performers? And apparently he, like, encouraged them to do long improv riffs on set, explicitly trying to be funny. Right. I made this comment on the podcast, and someone who had worked on that movie said, like, you're totally right. When we were filming it, I mean, when we were filming it, when it was being filmed, I was working on the movie. He very much was describing this to people as a comedy. Right. It's like, how can a guy who's this successful is literally having like a guy come up to him with an envelope of $2 million and be like, it's a shitty script. Just do a rewrite two days. Right. And then goes like nature, how you burn inside of me. You know, like what, what the fuck is this thing? He can't help himself. In the same way where it's like, why is Thor playing a computer hacker who still acts like a Michael Mann character? Like is this self parody? But I think both are in addition to, you know, whatever the personal things are for them. Like, I think this movie is Michael Mann trying to figure out how much the world that he's been interested in his entire career has morphed, you know? I think part of it is also that he's trying to, like, the movie itself is, I think, struggling to find a kind of language to describe what's happening on screen, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, like, is, for example, you know, there'll, there'll be a couple of scenes where somebody just, like, hits a button very casually and something horrible happens. Mm-hmm. Right. But then there'll be other scenes where, you know, there'll be like a close-up of a computer button and it's like, the sound is like a gunshot. And it's like, is this thing really, is, is the important thing here that it's really significant? Or right. the imp- right. is the important thing here that it's totally insignificant? Right. And it's like the movie actually keeps like changing in that way. Um, so you get the sense that like everything is constantly in flux visually, even sonically in the film. And I think that actually reflects kind of the whole idea of cybercrime and living in this world where technology rules everything. Right. And it, that these crimes can feel victimless or like you, you yeah. maybe have no concept, human concept yeah. of, of the chaos you're wreaking. Public Enemies has that too. Like, yeah. right? I mean, like the very form of the movie changes as it progresses. Like it yeah. starts off looking kind of very filmy and by the end it's very video-y. But, like, the whole movie is about, like, the encroachment of technology. Absolutely. So, like, the form right. of the film actually bears out the themes of the film, which right. I think is, you know, fascinating. Right. But the film also boils down to him having a face-to-face meeting with a guy using entirely rudimentary oh, yeah, yeah. objects. Right. You know? They, in the middle of an ancient, like, traditional ceremony. Right. Yeah. And the guy even says something. Oh, no. I mean, Hathaway actually says, like, he has a line. It's like, 
no codes, no keyboards, no, no yeah, screen. Yeah, like there's his, a, yeah. Where yeah. he's suddenly yelling a manifesto in the middle of this yeah, festival, yeah, right. or they're about to stab each other. And and um, no ones and zeros. No ones yes. and zeros, right? right. Yeah, 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 and then yeah. the other guy says something like. Uh, you know, I have other people do sub-symbolic stuff for me, which like that is also such a like only Michael Mann would ever have yes. the villain in like the climactic scene use the expression sub-symbolic, <laughs> like whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, it's a fair point. Meaning like human interaction, I think I is I, what he means. Yeah. I don't know. Also, the villain doesn't show up basically until the last 20 minutes of the Correct. movie. Like you'll cut to him sort of just like, you know, shambling right. around and like hitting some buttons in a basement. But they're both just kind of chaos people, yeah. right? I mean, they're both people who are kind of addicted to how much power they can now hold because of their mastery of this technology. Right. I mean, there is this thing that we're sort of talking around, which is that, like, uh, I, I feel like uh, technology has advanced faster than our understanding of how it has changed storytelling has been able to sort of, like, uh, uh, I don't know, crystallize, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, like just the amount of I, I, it's like a hacky fucking thing, but everyone says this all the time. Where you like watch movies from fifteen twenty years ago, and you're like, this plot wouldn't exist if this character had a cell phone. Oh, right. yeah. You know, there's so many films like that where it's just like, if this technology existed, if they had access to this, if they were able to locate this person. You know, like After Hours is a movie that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. and even if the plot is his cell phone falls out the window along with his <laughs> wallet it's still easier for him to sort of recobble what he needs to get home. Yeah, of course. Right. He can just like log into some shit. Right. There are just like a ton of, of things he could do. Yeah. Um, and and it, it also, I, I think it's a bigger thing is how it's affected visual storytelling. You know, I think it's fucked with uh, film and TV more than anything mm-hmm. because these powerful movements aren't exciting looking. Right. You know, someone mm-hmm. having a fight with their girlfriend over text is not very cinematic. No. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work on stage. It no. doesn't work on screen. You can true. write it as a book in text, you know? You Even can... that's kind of boring. Yeah, but It makes still. me think of the Twitter joke. I feel like I've seen a few people say this where um, it's like they're, they, they are texting or writing, I'm screaming, and literally in that moment, they're sitting there <laughs> right. like with a blank st- yeah. like stare on their face. Right. Yes. Right, but the way the I culture... I don't actually laugh out loud, guys. Right. What? No, I'm sorry. This whole time? I'm not uh, laughing my ass I off. thought he was giggling his butt off. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was slapping, slapping his... Uh, What's this? Hoping side. for some, at least yeah. a couple yeah. chucks. Right, if I stop thinking Knee about slapper. you, if I stop thinking about anything, it disappears, is the line of uh, yeah. I remember. Right. Um, there is a thing, though, that, like, technology has made us uh, a somewhat sociopathic in how divorced our emotions are from what we're actually doing mm-hmm. because they're disconnected because they're remote and satellite and all that sort of shit. Uh, and the, the nature of storytelling is, like, show, don't tell. And the nature of technology is a lot of telling things. <laughs> I mean, even, like, coding and hacking is, like, typing commands into a computer. Yeah. Being like, do this. Yeah. Which the soy futures thing manifests as just a guy being like, boat's done. But you understand why they're like, we only have one like explosion in the movie in this yeah. way, you know? And it's and it's a realistic explosion too. Oh yeah. yeah. Like right. you don't see a power plant go kaboom. Right. You see it like melt down and like one part of it explodes. Right. It's very realistic. But then like when a, you know, they they blow up a car. You're like, this is weird. These hackers are just like <laughs> blowing up cars. with you know a bazooka, saying? right? That but, they're like showing up in a place with a bazooka. But, but, but like, but th- this is also such a Michael Mann thing, where, where like there's this whole section of the movie where they 
the, you know, the bad guy gets on a boat, on a motorboat, goes out to a ship, gets the bazooka, yeah, right, <laughs> right. goes back to shore, yeah. just so we can later have the scene where he blows up this car. With a, I mean, and I guess that would make sense also because otherwise we'd be like, how the hell did this guy suddenly get a bazooka? Right. But it's such a weird little thing. Like he has to explain how he gets this it, thing. It's a scene yeah. that when you're watching the movie for the first time, you're like, there's... I, there's no way I'm going to retain this. Like, right. I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> You're already on. throwing way too exactly, much at right. me. Um, Black hat. But yeah, but then there is a cool bazooka scene. Mm-hmm. Holt McElhaney gets shot so hard that he sort of like flies like a rag doll. Which you know that they researched. I mean, I, I'm sure, sure they right, did. Because sure. like yeah. he, he's very particular about making sure that like when someone gets shot, they get shot the way that the like it would happen in real life. Yeah. Here's a question I have. Is Chris Hemsworth doing Michael Mann? Is that the voice he's doing? On my third rewatch, having now, I've been listening to a bunch of commentaries <laughs> yeah. too. Like, he's doing a Chicago he is. guy. He, yeah. he right? is, yeah. Well, he's from, the character's supposed to be from Chicago. Which is hilarious. It is like, it's so like Michael whole, Mann. Yeah. Where they're like, it's the Chicago mercantile. And you're like, okay. All right, and and all right, a Michael. lot of lead actors are playing their directors. Oh, right. yeah, sure. Right. Like, that's a big thing when you spend, if you're the lead actor, you're spending a lot of time with the director and you're trying to piece it together and the director is the one who's explaining, this is what I think yeah. the story's about. This is the one. But I just, I feel yeah. like people ragged on Hemsworth that, Hemsworth's accent in this movie. I think it's very good. Like, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, I think he's good. I think he's good I, in the movie. I think he's good in the movie I, I too. I think they're yeah. misplacing what is jarring about him being in the film. Sure. It's not right. his accent. It's that he's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it's that he doesn't sure. seem like a human being ever. You know, he's better than us. It is fun. I mean, Michael Mann's such a movie star guy. Like, he really relies on those guys oh, yeah. to, like, sell yeah. all the things we've been talking about in a, like commercial and fun way and also to get his movies made and to get his movies made of course that's his greatest superpowers these guys want to be in his movies and Hemsworth is a movie star yeah like there's no I'm not disputing that Mm -hmm. but especially at this time because I think the Moby Dick movie is maybe this year comes in between the two Ron Howards I want to say yeah he's great in Rush in the Heart of the Sea is a bit of a nothing and the Heart of the Sea comes after this right I think you're right they're both kind of delayed movies they're both much delayed uh, and it was that so and I think and it's certainly it's like pre Ragnarok like it's right. pre Thor being fun right I, I think Thor is fun to be clear but it, the commercial here, but, perception right, of right, Thor is right. fun um, and so I think there was that atmosphere especially like in among like deadline type writers of like Chris Hemsworth can he open a movie like and also do are, people care yeah, about it, Chris it Hemsworth actually, it, it's Chris when Hemsworth he at wasn't all? really cool like yeah, he wasn't he was exactly not, cool like he's very cool now there was yeah. a resentment towards him as if he were like a Sam Worthington where it's like are they forcing right. you, us to view this guy as a movie exactly. star exactly like do you deserve to be in the Michael Mann movie yet Chris well, like, we'll accept yeah. Thor but like don't tell us we have to buy Hemsworth and it was that weird thing of like you know he's done a couple tiny things then he gets Thor right Yeah. and it's like a big deal that he's like the only like totally unknown actor to get one of these movies Yeah. and that everyone else who had been in the running for Thor was someone of some some sort of recognition right, right? right. but so it was like a big announcement of like Marvel's betting big on this guy who just got off the plane right and then he does his kind of like Heart of the Sea Rush Black Hat it feels like him doing a classic like I want to show that I really want to be a serious movie star and I want to be able to do like the DiCaprio Damon thing where I like go to real serious directors Mm -hmm. and make adult films that can only get financed because I'm putting my name on them. And the problem is that all of those films underperform. Well, because because that age is over. It's done. That's the thing. It's like Tom Cruise pulled that off back in the day and And, kind of established the model. And now 
those kinds of films, I mean, even, they, they might get made occasionally, but they don't do well. I'd say Bradley Cooper's the closest to being able to pull that off yeah. in that sort of way. They're the guys who are still running off of that, like DiCaprio, which mm-hmm. is just because they've had a really good track record 20 years of maintaining a sort of standard Pit. quality. Sure. Hit some of those people who are able to do that. But most of those guys spend, uh, especially now, spend a lot longer going through the motions of building up your international numbers before you then yeah. start flexing the muscle. And it's like he extended his movie star status too wide too early. And then I feel like it's so telling that now he's just like just a franchise guy. You know? It's he is true. so much a franchise guy. Well, you're forgetting 12 strong, though. I, were 12 hey, strong. You know what? You are. Very correct. I <laughs> completely forgot that 12 Strong, the untold story of the horse soldiers existed. <laughs> That's correct. Came out last year. Yeah. It premiered at Jazz at Lincoln Center. I forgot that. <laughs> Did you forget exists. that it premiered at Jazz at Lincoln Center? Where did I remember that? <laughs> I remember the evening. I just couldn't remember what was on the screen. <laughs> you were there, of course. I was there, of course. Every night you're there at Jazz at Lincoln Always. Center. Um, I'm hoping Damon Wayans is going to get up. And then, you know, because, yeah, his 2018 was 12 Strong. 12, 12 uh-huh. Strong. Infinity War mm-hmm. and Bad Times of the El Royale. Right. Which was sort of him doing a favor to yeah. his buddy Drew Goddard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this year he's got Endgame, mm-hmm. Men in Black International, which looks like a piece of shit, but who knows? Who knows? I don't know. At this point, it probably has already won Best Picture. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it has come out in theaters and they had just gone, uh, forget the rest of the year. Um, it's the new Green Book. <laughs> it just, it just. I, I know Men in Black is a completely sort of forgotten franchise that is like I, that you and I love. That a I lot know, of Bill our friendship is based about around. This earlier. Do you not love Men in Black? I I said that the first one was a masterpiece, it. and Bill was like Barry Sonnenfeld is never no, directed no, the, a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, like the the words masterpiece and <laughs> Men in Black four should never ever ever. <laughs> He's directed he, four oh Stonefall masterpieces. What what is happening? Even I'm struggling. What is happening right now? I would say there are at least three. The first Adam is not a masterpiece. Okay, so then I'll say three. Okay. Values get shorty. Oh yeah, get shorty's good. I would not call that a master. I love get. I think it's a great movie. Great movie. I think. And nine lives. I think three stars is his is his ceiling. You think he's a three star general? I think he is a three star ceiling guy. (laughs) Wow. I think. I mean, as I've said, like the story of Sonnenfeld is crazy. Where he basically is an incredibly reliable, like fun '90s movie director. He makes Wild Wild West and like. I guess Satan just came for whatever bar. Like that was it. He claimed his soul with that day because he's never made anything remotely good since. Look, Man in Black is one of those objects that I'm obsessed with, as I you are. And I feel like it holds a lot of the same power as like Ghostbusters, where it's like when you've mm. seen the ten years, twenty years of movies following it failing to replicate that, you go like, "How did everything go right on this movie?" And so it's one of those movies where anytime I have any opportunity to talk to anyone who was involved in that first movie, I pump them for stories. And I always try to get the sense of, like, what happened to Sonnenfeld. And everyone's answer is, like, I don't know. He just uh, stopped being good. Uh-huh. Like, there was no thing, right. you know? And it kind of falls into, like, I it's mean. like Rob Reiner. This helps. Sure. Another, it's another one where it's, like, there's almost just a line you draw. And you're, like, before pretty good most of the after universally bad Rob Reiner has one of the great track records in cinema history and then it just like falls off a clip but it's one of those things where he's like like, a surefire hit before and a surefire worst movie of the year after like that's how good it is like that's how consistent he is in both directions right but but he's major like he's making major moves he's not Uh, releasing four movies in the last year starring Woody Harrelson that no one knows about 
He's done like four. Woody I know he Harrelson. keeps making a movie about like a New York Times article he read. Like he <laughs> keeps doing that where he's like, "Can you believe it?" And, like someone links to something on Facebook and then he immediately greenlights. <laughs> he's got that Castle Rock money. He's, he's got that life. Castle Rock money. No, but it, it, some of those guys, it's weird because it's not like they're like idiot savants, but it's like there's a period of time where they're just in the pocket and every instinct they have is correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they're not in the pocket anymore and they're still operating solely off of instinct. Right. And their instincts yeah. are just wrong now. But I think it's also they're not getting the scripts that sure. they used to. I mean, that's part of it's that with those guys. I mean, with a guy like Mann, it's obviously different because he yeah. you know, generally initiates his scripts. Or, yeah, he's not the credited writer on this one. I don't no. know the guy it's one who's— but, but I assume yeah. Mann had a lot of input on this so. script. I mean, the, the guy credited on it actually was like— uh, like he worked on Queer Eye or something like that. Yeah, yeah. he was like an assistant editor on Click. Wow. Yeah. Like, and Rescue Me. Like he, this is his only script. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a pretty young writer. Right. Uh, he's four years did he old. Do something else. <laughs> was there something else like he that he did? Kind after? of looks. Yeah. like Griffin Newman. Like you know, like <laughs> he you know does. What I, mean? I could play him. But yeah, I gather right. that he and Man and kind grunt? of work together. Sure. I, I'm not sure. I don't. That makes sense. I, I, I think I read like an interview with him or something like that where. You know, like, I think Mann kind of guided it, although the script might have existed beforehand. I'm not sure. Right, because there's, I mean, I think of Mann and Ridley Scott in similar way, and they're, I think they're obviously pals, um, but, uh, like, the Ridley Scott method of screenwriting, where he, like, yells at you in a room while smoking a cigar about everything that's going to happen in the movie. He just doesn't have the time to actually write it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, and then uh, the the alien's going to, you yeah. know, like, he just sort of talks like that for a while. You hire but, someone to write the movie so that you can sit back and yeah. rewrite it. But, 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 but man yeah. was, a man started off as a writer. Yeah, so man is yes. more of a like, real writer. Yeah, writing like, is kind of in his DNA in absolutely. that sense. I feel like, I mean, we were talking about that right when, was it when The Keep came out? There's that old interview you were talking about where he's like, I have this script called Heat. Yeah. I can't direct it, but I'd love someone yeah, He's to like, I think it's it. the, like, best it's the best script I've ever got. written. Right. I, I don't think I could ever pull it off Like, as he didn't a even think of himself as, like, worthy yeah. of trying that shit. Right. Yeah. You've met Michael Mann. I have met We gotta Michael. talk about him. We gotta talk Bill knows Michael Mann. He's yeah, best man. friends yeah, with yeah, Michael exactly. Mann. My, my buddy, Michael Mann. You summer with Michael Mann, right? Cape Cod? That's fucking beach. Michael Mann does not summer. I, I don't burn. Say, I don't burn people. I get sunburnt. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like Michael Mann relaxing, and I'm struck. Does he have kids? Yeah, his, yeah, da- his daughters. His, his, daughter, his daughters are filmmakers. Right, uh, well, right. no, I, I, I mean, he's got uh, Amy Cannon Mann. Yeah, see, like made a movie and was like a second unit on Heat. I believe. Yes. Um, okay. And I think and he has another daughter. He has another, I think so. I think so. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, tell us about he's hanging got out. Four with him, kids, though. according to Wikipedia. How does he dress? <laughs> ben is fashion focused. Uh, black jackets. I don't know. You know, I've cool. I've, I've 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 met Michael Mann in person like three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pretty nice guy. Sure. Uh, not nearly as intense as you might imagine. Right. Uh, I would imagine fairly intense, but, but also again, gruff. But also, I was not on a movie set with him, and I imagine that things get <laughs> a lot hairier there. But, right. Um, right. Right. But you know, he's he's a he can be a he can be you know he's not a chatty guy, but sure. But he's, he, you know, he has, like, he has a lot of answers that he gives over and over again to questions, but they're good answers. Like, right. he's got he his answers his down, answers. right? right? And so he actually, like, he thinks about his answers, they're thoughtful answers, and he's got, kind of got them down, and then, like, if you ask him the same question, he will give you the same answer. Right. It's like, you know, it's like, like clockwork. Yeah, you know? yeah right. It's preloaded. Yeah. He's, wait, I had a. It's gone. Whatever my question was, it's completely gone. <laughs> he has his answers. He's the Chicago guy. His dad was a grocer. The Bears. Oh, yeah. The Bulls. Did you ever 
get an explanation from him as to why Beautiful by Alejandro Gonzalez <laughs> is one of his top 10 movies of all time. And is that still the case? Where like on just a list kind of, of nine of, there's nine other movies, one of which is Avatar, which, which is we interesting, accept. but a good choice. Well, he's, I mean, he's friends with Inarritu and he, you know, and, and, and he lo- I mean, he loves if, his work, but he's also a fan of The Revenant. best friends of, with Inarritu, right, I'd pick The Revenant before Beautiful, like, I feel, I, Beautiful's yeah. kind of the weird, was that weird before Revenant, Revenant? That was before Revenant. It might have been. That list is, is that like a sight and sound list? Amores yeah, you're right. It's a sight and sound list. It was pre-Revenant. Yeah, I mean, so I think Beautiful was probably like just the most recent one. If I were Michael Mann, I would make all of my sight and sound, like the little mm-hmm. paragraphs I write, be like, I'm just friends with Alejandro. Like, I just brag about all the friends I have. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just pick movies where I could be like, I'm friends with you know, Quentin Tarantino. We get eggs. Like, we go to a diner <laughs> get eggs. Yeah, I don't know. What does one do with Quentin Tarantino? Sit around playing old board games, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think that is exactly. literally what one does. Really? Yeah. Really? Is Quentin Tarantino like a big Settlers of Catan guy? No, no, no. I think it's like vintage board games. <laughs> Wasn't that the whole thing? Like I remember at the like during the 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 press blitz for um for a uh, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. like the, you know the, all these stories were like you know the actors he wanted. I think maybe Travolta. Oh yeah, they Travolta and he played like the Eight Is Enough. Board game, and that was how <laughs> so they bonded. Like, shitty he likes like kitsch, right? Of course, yeah, right. of course. Right. It's very quick, yeah. you know. Yeah. Right, he's not like a serious like he, cardboard guy. He just likes anything that's like a weird object of Hollywood marginalia, right? right. Yeah. And I mean, and, and he succeeded in like turning those things into fetish objects for the rest of us, right? Totally, right? Yeah, I mean, so like that's his whole man. Hong Kong movies, you know, uh, black exploitation movies, sure. yeah. kung fu movies. Westerns, these were not things. Yeah. These were not considered cool at yeah. the time, like. Pre-Tarantino. Like, yeah. he somehow managed to make them cool. Like, right. some of us watch that stuff, spaghetti westerns, whatever, but, like, most people, if you if you said the word spaghetti western, would not know what that was. In the same Pre-Pulp right. Fiction, right. and then afterwards, you know. Well, th- but then, that's kind of the thing with Man too, which we've <laughs> talked about, where it's like, he wasn't cool, even though he made all these cool things, and then they all his movies become cool later. Through, and the, through TV through airings TV over and over again, and, and, and then film the directors cineasta. he inspires. And, this, right. this and then the, this movie fell into the exact same trap where people came out, and it, it came out, and people were like, oh, it's kind of bad. Like, right. And They're, then, like, it only took a few years for everyone to be like, was Blackout kind of great? You yeah. know, like, it only... It, it, I feel it, like it took weeks it took, for it right. to happen. It just, in the yeah. second it exited theaters, everyone was like, wait, right. I haven't seen Blackout yet. Where'd yeah. it go? <laughs> like, isn't it a masterpiece? It... This is the thing that I always found really baffling about man because I remember I like these movies would come out and I would go to them and come out and I'd say all right that that was good sure but that's going to date really poorly uh-huh like I remember because you know his stuff is so kind of weirdly like contemporary in that sense like yes. the music is very of, of the moment yes. you know it's, Miami Vice thing. No. it's like yes. can we right. capture this exact moment that's yeah. the goal exactly and you to think, get it with yeah. utmost right. accuracy right and you right. think to yourself well in two years this is going to look idiotic right. yeah right and what's amazing is that like that does not happen yeah. these things actually if anything be, they get cooler yeah yeah 100% it's almost like they kind of wind up defining what's cool yeah 100% right? like because yeah. the thing when Pacino's in heat I feel like some people at the time are like, here it is, definitive evidence. This guy is so fucking off the rails. Like, right. Sense of a Woman was enough, and now he's just right. screaming Time at of us. Death. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, Pacino is, God, yeah. remember what a great actor he used to be. And now people are like, Pacino and Heat's like the best American who ever oh, lived, yeah. right? Like, yeah. they're just like, I love him. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or like, you watch Heat and you're like, God, all this, like, self-important, weirdly Dickensian stuff getting into people's lives. Who needs yeah. that? Just give us the crime thriller. You know, cut to 10, 20 years later, 
everybody's trying to make a crime movie that's like that rich and that deep. Well, you know what's weird? Like, so you saying, you know, in the way that Tarantino made all these things like generally cool for everybody. This is now accepted as cool. Uh, with the Miami Vice TV show, Michael Mann totally did that. Where yeah. you read about all these trends that were created, like Italian suits were not popular in the States. Italian clothing lines sure. were not Pastels popular with menswear. Right, cool. Those yeah. colors, I mean, all these sorts of things. The music he was using, the colors he was using, all this sort of shit. And that show just like hits like a fucking atom bomb oh, and yeah. changes everything. And everyone's like, this is the definition of cool. We have to tune in to follow the trends. You know, uh -huh. the show just becomes like fucking American Bandstand or whatever right. for like trend spotting. And then in his movies, it always is like he's 10 years ahead of oh, yeah. getting the credit for doing the thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and in fact, I remember when Miami Vice first aired, it was not like that well liked the show. I remember the reviews were pretty the negative. Critics were, I think, kind of like, this is all sound. It's they were like, it's MTV Cops. I mean, that was actually, that was the pitch, MTV Cops. But then also the... um. I don't remember the ratings being that good. In fact, it, it was kind of it, it, that I can look up. it was kind of borderline for a while. And I remember and after the it first caught season, on it some way. You know, right. Either the first season or the second season, it actually caught on and you know, they renewed it and suddenly it was a hit again. Of course, mm -hmm. I think I think Man actually left after the second season. I yeah. think you're right. I mean, Miami Vice is one of those things where you you figure it dominated the eighties, but it was actually it was only five seasons. Yeah. 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 It kind of wore Hicked out in its the welcome really quickly. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, the, you know, the Emmys turned on it right away. You know what I mean? Like, all of it's... But it was sort of like, I mean, there, there are so many phenomenon like that, like like the OC, where it's oh, like yeah. the OC lands, and it was never the number one show on television, and it was never an award. The, the OC play. is a great... Yeah, right? Same. That, that was yeah. such a flash in the pan, but has lingered like, it was quite fine. Right. It was dead yes. by year five. Yeah. And like, no, year it only had four years. Four. Four right. seasons. And the fourth season felt like it was on life support the fourth already. Season, right. The fourth season was basically announced as uh, the final season of the OC. Right. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, but, and people like me, who were kind of too old for it when it, when it, yeah. when it aired, we were like, hit. what the fuck is this? Like, right. why right. would anybody watch yeah, this shit? This is garbage. Yeah. Right. This is it. It's culture circling the drain. That's it. And now the OC is like, or tourist Massive. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it did I mean, I like it set the trends. Like it redefined fashion, it redefined Absolutely. music, 100%. and all these things. Uh, it's 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 a pretty fascinating sort of like those shows that are so tied into the moment. Yes, it's it's weirdly I think easier to make a show that is so tied into the moment that works in that moment than it is with a film. Yeah, you know mm -hmm. these sort of like flash in the pan, like you caught wind of a cultural sort of uh, movement, right? Sort of shows. Um, I was, I mean, just like, you know, we talk about a lot. I'm so fascinated by just like how fucking long careers are. How <laughs> most people just have so many different acts to their career. Do you remember when like, oh, Olivia Wilde is playing the bisexual bartender in four episodes of the OC. Yeah, and her like, being, like eight. but when they announced like, oh, she's got a, a run, it was like, here's the next big star. Yeah. Like to have a guest well, it was a big deal. They would the introduce OC guest stars like, in the OC with like Vogue photo shoots. Right. Basically. And they were like, this is going to be your next leading lady. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, I guess that didn't happen. And then she comes back on House. Well, Olivia Wilde's one of the bigger breakouts of the OC. Right. I mean, the OC I is littered with people who right. like never got to escape the gravity But I'm saying of the like OC. she didn't yeah. have the OC pop yeah, well, that know, everyone thought she was going to have right. and then had the career that the other like OC Chris Pratt did. was in the OC. Yeah. Right. Like there's so, a lot of yeah. Yeah. guest stars of the OC. Yeah. OC. Miami Vice is similar. It is. I mean, for long, I mean, the, Jimmy Smith. No, well, the, I mean, the guest stars were insane. Yeah. yeah. 
but some of them were also, you know, big at the time too. Yeah, right. and the Frank, musical Frank acts. Z- I just, yeah. This weekend, I watched an episode where Frank Zappa played an elusive drug oh, drug God. lord, and it was just. I watched that happen. Uh, Is it on Hulu or one of these I have, things? I have, Netflix, I have you them on DVD. It, just, yeah. I, you know, I'm a physical media guy. Me too. I'm, I'm a, yeah. I know they have they remaster them all. Oh, remind me, I have a present for you. What? Yeah, yeah. I have a present I was supposed to give you like ten months ago. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. I don't have it on me. Just remind me at some point. Should we talk about the plot of Black Hat? I feel like we kind of <laughs> covered hard to talk it. About. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when do, does he wear a black hat? In it? Uh, he in the finale would have been nice if Hemsworth had a white hat and the bad guy had yeah. a black hat. That would have been that cool. would have been a clean sort of thing right. for me. This has such he a goes man, to lids and just gets a blank. This has such a classic hat. man ending too. It is crazy that every man movie except for Public Enemies basically is the same ending where it's like he's alive and he won. But at you know now what does he do? Right. Like now you're sort of like now he just yeah. walks the world exactly. Yeah. right. You got to just walk the earth with the world against you. Yeah. yeah, guy walking into a guy walking through a door basically. Right. That's the, right. that's the Maybe end of every other Michael Mann kind of like yeah. not looking at the camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at the day we're recording this, the uh, the Ford uh, Ferrari trailer just came out yesterday. Yeah. So people will be able to carbon date this episode recording. Uh-huh. And that was what he had. His sort of biggest intended follow-up to Black Hat was announced. I think he was going to the film, con film market with yeah. Christian Bale attached. And they were going to try to get financing to make yeah. a big uh, Ferrari biopic yeah. with yeah. Christian Bale. And uh, I feel like uh, uh, Mangold uh, doing it has like completely kills that possibility. Right. Especially with since right. Christian Bale is in this other movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that is, it yeah. is so weird that Christian Bale is in a movie with the word Ferrari in the title. Right. Well, I, as I understand it, Christian Bale because he would have been playing Enzo Ferrari right. and had to was going to have to gain weight or something like sure. that. Yeah. Christian and, Bale was like let me at this. Like he yeah. had yeah. the like Sandwich at the ready, right? Like, <laughs> right. He's like, like a giant bowl fat. of pasta, yeah, exactly. waiting for the contract to be signed. Mix <laughs> like some just... pop tarts into that. I can't wait to eat it. Right? Do you, do you remember that Simpsons Treehouse of Horror with the ironic punishment department, where Homer has to go to hell, where they just feed him donuts all the time, and he's like chained into a chair, <laughs> yes, and, oh, yeah. and they're just loading yeah, the donuts yes. into his mouth. Yeah. I think that's like uh, Chris Bale has a room in his house, right? That's just fats yeah. that get right. funneled in. Yeah. <laughs> um but do you, right so what what do you think happened with him moving over? I mean that was what like definitively nail on the coffin killed the man movie it felt like. Well, I think there was at some point Bale dropped out and it was going to be Hugh Jackman if I right. remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Um who I'd love to see work with Michael Mann. Oh, I feel yeah. like Mann could I, do a lot with Mike with Jackman. Yeah, I think I think I think that could work out too. I mean, I you know, who knows. The um the Ferrari movie was like the Ferrari script mm-hmm. was a script that he wrote around the same time that he wrote Heat, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's basically like thirty years old. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it was also I think similar to Heat. It was one of those scripts where he felt like he'd never quite licked the ending. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then like finally felt like he'd licked the ending. Right. Um, but of course, you know, the times have changed, and you know, it's not easy to get a movie like that made now. Right. I assume that's not going to happen, but who knows? I mean, he's also, if you remember, I mean, Michael Mann produced The Aviator. Of course, because he right. had his Howard Hughes movie. Right? Yeah, that, like, and there was there were kind of competing Howard Hughes movies, which right. which wound up not happening. But right. um, and he was supposed to direct that, I believe. Yeah. And why did he did he drop out to do Collateral? Am I, I think he dropped that? out to do Miami Vice. That's he dropped right. out. The thing he dropped yeah. out of for Miami Vice was 
Tonight He Comes, which later became oh, yeah. Hancock. Right. Because uh-huh. he also right, has right. a producing credit on Hancock. He does, he does. Yeah. And that and we know, was like... he got a Best Picture nomination right, for it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but that was like one of the best unmade scripts in Hollywood and was very much like a character piece and not a black comedy in the same way and not a movie with action set pieces. Look, I'll watch his Hancock. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed like the first half of Hancock. Too. Actually, right, well, because lot. Peter Berg is like a like roided up, slightly less introspective man. Oh, yeah. Like, right. You know, he's right. definitely and, 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 a, oh, yeah. indebted to Michael Mann. And, right. and yeah. I mean, Mann, I think, has produced like three of his movies. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're buds, right? And he's in Collateral. Yeah. yeah. Right, and Michael Mann uh, was uh, in the movie Battleship. He, uh, yeah, I'm gonna make a joke about the movie Battleship, and I couldn't remember a fucking was, thing about he was, it. He was one of the he was one of the old sailors. Yeah. Right, I mean, he'd be good at that, probably yeah, yeah. barking he, orders. He played a red peg. That's like he the could, joke. he could play. Yeah, right. Come on, David. He played a red. <laughs> he played peg. a red peg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he could play any role written for Gene Hackman, right? Like, you know, give, oh, yeah. give me that. Like, just put Michael Mann in a movie. Like, I'd love to see give him Michael that Werner Herzog. Yeah. Like, sure, I'll play some villains. I don't know. Yeah, I'll play. Yeah, has guy. he actually done any movie? Like, Michael Mann. Yeah, I don't think so. Has he? I feel like yeah. maybe there's like a. I feel like they're. Yeah. What are some other like lost Michael Mann projects? I've been right, trying to Google this about while we're Gates of Fire. Gates of Fire is the one. That's like that. That one. I. What is that? That is the that was the competing version of three hundred. No, it wasn't three hundred, uh, but that was sure. the other um, the ancient. Uh, yeah, the Battle of Thermopylae yeah, kind of thing. And I've read that see. script. It's kind of a great script. Um, Fuck. So Agincourt is the other one that I know he still wants to do about the Battle of Agincourt. Mm. I'm just gonna sidebar cool. here for one second. Yeah, you looked up his acting credits. Did you look him up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I executive in Hancock. Right. There's a scene with the boardroom, and he's one of the guys. Whatever. Right, right, right. And then the other thing, we've talked about this. Because uh, I scrolled. We've scrubbed the image. We don't know. They say he's in the Tai Chi class and intern. There are two the Chi, intern, Chi, Tai Chi the classes intern. at the beginning of the end of the movie. Where De Niro is kind of like, you know, like like this. And, and there's I like a bunch scrubbed. of other, you know, They're the bookends of the film looking for Michael Mann anywhere. I certainly believe he could be in there. Yeah. I have seen other people could not recognize him. Nancy Myers is kind of the female Michael Mann and Michael Mann is kind of the male Nancy Myers. Incredibly meticulous over budget filmmakers. But also like just, you know, lifestyle porn. A hundred percent. What makes a woman? What makes a man? Yeah. A hundred percent. And also, right. Just you imagine them sending six months dressing an apartment set that is going to be featured for two scenes or whatever. Right. So I totally believe they're good friends. And she was like, come on by, (laughs) you know, but I, we cannot find him visually in that movie. Movie. No, uh, Nancy and or Michael speak to this, please. That Come is on, interesting, though, that his like big unmade movies are sort of greater epics than he has ever been able to pull off in terms of like big historical action. Yeah. And, and, and I believe the Agincourt story was going to be kind of following a character sort of through that world. And sure. Um, Sounds cool. I mean, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him do it. I, I, I haven't read that script or anything like that. But um, but I know the Gates of Fire script. And that was a film that was kind of, I mean, that was, that went through multiple directors and, right. and producers and stuff like that. So, and stars. And I think Clooney was involved at some point. Love to see um, them work together. But, uh, but that was, you know, that was a, that was a great script. I, that would have been awesome to see, man, tackle it. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, Last of the Mohicans is such a great movie. Yes, it is. That you, you look at that and you're like, it would have been interesting to, to see him do more kind of like, heavy period stuff like that as opposed to just like kind of you know within the realm of sort of crime Uh, I was just googling he also has been over the last uh, six or seven years talking up Big Tuna a lot 
which oh, is right, supposed yeah, yeah. to be another like Chicago uh, 40s mob movie. <laughs> You're telling me he has a movie called Big Tuna? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm telling you. I am all in. Uh, and now he has this imprint, this publishing imprint. Big Tuna's yes. going to be a for book. His crime novel. So yeah. now it's like, well, I'm going to make Big Tuna as a book. Right. I'm like executive producing this book. So that then hopefully the book will inspire people to give me money to make the movie. That's out. funny. Yeah, and, it's and, a, it's a big tuna was a Capone associate. That's who that is. Okay. And, and I think I'm um, also, uh, you know, like the first book in this, in his imprint came mm-hmm. out called hunting LaRue and it's actually a nonfiction book. Uh, I, I don't like, I think the imprint is meant mainly for fiction, mm-hmm. but he decided to go with this, um, this nonfiction one. Uh, and it's interesting because the guy that it's about, it's this guy, Paul LaRue, who was this like crime lord who started off as a, he was from Rhodesia and he started off in cybersecurity and he started and then started selling like pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceuticals online, you know, so like if you needed uh, like prescription meds, but you didn't have a prescription, you could get them from Australia or wherever. Sure. He started selling that and then he eventually got into like arms dealing and all sorts of crazy shit. And he's basically the guy in Black Hat. Interesting. Right? But like man did not know about this guy when he was when he when he was writing Black Hat or like he found out about him later. Wow. But even like the the nationality weirdly matches up because you know, LaRue's from Rhodesia and then the guy in Black Hat has like this Dutch accent. Right. You know, it's like it's like yeah. these we- and he kind of looks like him because he's like kind of this dumpy guy. <laughs> um it's very strange how they match up. Uh but it's like totally coincidental. And I'm looking this up. The next book uh, scheduled to be published by his imprint is a Clifford the Big Red Dog <laughs> and the Easter Parade. What that, that seems like hey. a weird. I'll pinch you. I'll pinch you. That's Clifford oh. talking. I don't burn people. <laughs> I'm a big egg. red dog, you fucking egg. <laughs> Public enemy is the insult of you dumb egg. Is How great would it line. be if they were like, uh, you know, this happening more and more these days. Walt Becker has been fired mid-production from the live-action Clifford the Big Red Dog movie and replaced it with Michael Mann. I mean, it's like a that, page one rewrite. I feel like man is we're now we've been. You ever see a dog out. this fucking big? You know, it's like we've we've <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> what drew you to the project? This, never heard of a bigger dog. <laughs> Um, like Man, Fincher, Scorsese, these mm-hmm. guys where studios are now like, it's not even worth the prestige to us anymore. Right. Yeah. It's going to be too expensive. We know what you're like. Mm-hmm. You're old. You're, you know, not going to take any notes. We have no control. And it's going to cost too much money. And yeah. like, even though like it'll get Oscar and buzz time, and good reviews. All, it's like, how fucking long is this going like, to take? We just us? don't want to work with you anymore. Like, yeah. that's my great. Greatest fear about the movie industry is that sort of mindset. And it looked for a while like the Netflixes and Amazons of the world like, were, sure, we're here. We are to pick like, up yeah. the check, right? Right, but even there, I think kind of moving away from that. I mean, right. Netflix obviously has the Scorsese thing, but do you really think that they're going to be making more movies like that? Can I or? give you my no. theory? On I mean, that? it's not impossible oh, yeah. that like they have sort of the budget for like one of those a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I give you my theory? Yeah, you can. So you know how there's this trend with television where like when Fox started, when UPN started, even when WB started, they're like, we are targeting African-Americans. Sure, sure. We are going to cater to an underserved market in television. And the second they had a breakout hit with white people on it, they were like, like now we get to do the thing we wanted to do, white people TV shows, you know? They always use them as a way to get their footing. I think weirdly in this streaming era, these companies have done the same thing with prestige projects mm. like Amazon came in and like got Ted Hope and we're like, let's get 
all the '90s auteurs. Yeah, Amazon was like Whit Stillman, Spike Lee, like yeah. right, like they had Jim Jarmusch. Jim Jarmusch, right. right? Let's call them all up. Let's get these. What guys, what's make? the script yeah. in your closet? What's the thing in your drawer that you haven't gotten to make? You know, yeah. it's like the Expendables of auteurs, hundred yeah. of '90s, like early right. indie. Yeah, right. And I think what they were trying to do was not to rope the audience in, but to uh, destigmatize. Uh, the sort of lower rent idea of it being a streaming thing. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you get Alfonso Cuaron to trust you with his like very slow, meticulous housekeeper drama, and right. you push that movie properly, then filmmakers feel more comfortable going to Netflix with their movies, knowing mm-hmm. they'll be handled correctly. What Netflix is actually in it for is less trying to find the next Roma and more trying to find the next Bright. Right, right. And the right, big right. thing is, how do you make it not look low rent to Will Smith to right. do an action movie sure. for yeah. you? Right. You know? Yes, I do. And know. some of that, I think, also does expand, you know, their their subscriber footprint. Too. Of course. Right, like doing something like Godless. Of course. You know, which is like, they, they didn't have a Western. And there are probably a lot of, you know, guys out there who want to watch Westerns who maybe got a Netflix subscription because of it. But I am also... Sure, you know, in their endless uh, uh, buckets and buckets of uh, data and metrics that they will never share with the public, right. that they saw like, oh, the people who are watching stuff on Netflix streaming are nerds. Yeah, let's make things for nerds for like underserved, like niche genres. No, for sure, for you sure. know, because these are the people who are like, you watch it on the Netflix. On your computer? You know, like, we'll get them later. We'll get yeah, to the right. ranch eventually. Right. You know, right. but, like, for the time being, like, what do you put on here that people will connect to? And I think we're just going to see more and more, like, if they wanted to be prestige channels, they would have cultivated the sort of, like, HBO standard of quality thing of just, like, we make sure we so rarely dip below this. And all these stream platforms are like prestige is a way to get your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. It really helps to win some Emmys. Yes. In order love to awards. get more They're always going to love right. awards. Yes. But they're always going to prioritize. But now it's like, like Amazon has Lord of the Rings. Netflix right. has The Witcher. Right. Just announced a Magic the Gathering series. Right. Which, by the way, fully in support of. Can't wait to see their take on. Jose Molina, uh, yeah. one of the showrunners on it. Wonderful man who wrote for the tech. Oh, cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A show that was canceled by Amazon because it's too niche. <laughs> Uh yeah. 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 I just I think uh I, I think yes, it, it's like there might have been a window where Michael Mann could have gotten Amazon or Netflix to bankroll his crazy movie. Yeah. And I think he missed that window. I think they're already now like I think the Irishman might be the last of a certain type of prestige film bankrolled by the streaming services before the pendulum swings again. Right. We'll see. At that level, I don't know if it's going to happen again. Where I disagree with David is, unlike the other guys you're roping him in with, I think Scorsese will go back to being able to make studio films. I think a lot of that's through the DiCaprio connection. of course. That his box of track record is strong. I'm just saying it's gone from studios, like, jockeying to make a Michael Mann movie, or Scorsese, whatever, to... That being a high risk, okay, you know, that kind of a project. And even yeah. when everything became more like bean counter number cruncher. I'm just like, trying to re- reckon with the fact that man hasn't made another movie. Of course. This is all I'm talking and about And a lot here. of it, I mean, honestly, it's not that dissimilar from, you know, like when you're a writer and or, or like you're a freelance writer and you're working with one editor and then that editor leaves yeah. and a new one comes in. 
and you don't know where you stand with them. I mean, with Michael Mann and some of these guys, they were often protected by studio heads. Yeah, Not of prote- course. Protected no, no, you're totally word. right. You're totally studio right. heads who are like, they're vouching for them. This, we is, need, this, this is, is part of the business. This is one project. of our guys. Yes. Right. He comes to us with a project. We're going to take a serious look at it. Right. Warner um, Brothers yeah. used to be famous for that, where right. it was like, we want to be the Yankees. We want to have the strongest in-house roster. Yeah. And now pretty much they've said, like, we're not giving director's cut to anyone other than our three guys. Clint Eastwood, Christopher Nolan. What's the other one? Todd Phillips. Sure. Those are the three guys they refer to as just like, we want to keep them I mean, in even house. Todd Phillips is making a fucking superhero movie. Of course. I mean, not sure. to say, it's not no, like that but, means that sure. their culture is ending no, or but anything. That's, right, I, but. right. It is, that is sort of the, the point, yeah. you know? Maybe yeah. Michael Mann should make Booster Gold. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, he should, maybe he should make Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> bring, just do Hancock. bring back yeah. Hancock. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they're going to run out of superheroes I also, soon. They're going to have to bring yeah, back Hancock. Hancock will join the MCU. I will say, I have read Tonight He Comes. Uh-huh. It is so radically different yes, from yes, what they yes, end up yes, making. Yes. They could just make it. Right. It's one of those you things can just call it tonight where you're like, so the guy got paid money for this script that no way resembles in any. Th- this yeah. is a guy who did Heat as a TV miniseries right. and then did it like a verbatim yeah. as a movie yeah. and you, somehow one was bad and the other I was I know that's good. the thing about LA Takedown where you can't, it's so weird you're there it's the same lines yeah. it's, and it's, there's it's so boring I've often said if I ever taught a, a, yes, a filmmaking you just show class those two movies, or even right. like yeah. an acting class an you're acting just like class. show the diner scene from LA Takedown yes, and right. show the diner scene from Heat I mean, it's like verbatim. It is, and it's, it's like, like a high school production of a Shakespeare play yeah, versus yeah. like the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, right. But it's like the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very strange. <laughs> it is the most incredible argument for movie stardom. Yes, it, it really is. Yeah, it, it's incredible. Um, so Viola Davis in Black Hat, mm-hmm. terrific, great performance. Great performance. Great performance. I, I love that scene. I created in my head where she has. <laughs> but it's also like I yeah. think. Uh, that's an, another nice thing about the director's cut is that you get more of her. Yes. And actually, it takes a little while for Hemsworth to come in. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it actually does feel more like an ensemble piece, oh, which I think— Especially like a two-hander. Like, yeah. Especially now that you're watching it, you're like, this should be Chris Hemsworth and Viola Davis above the title Both. together. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Because she becomes a movie star, like, right around now. Yes. Yeah. Right. And and it's really—like, um, it, it just works so much better as a film that's not about— the hero hacker who must like do all this stuff. Yeah, like, of he's course, kind of part right. of a team. Yeah. This is also, and we need to talk about it because it's been a running theme throughout our main series. This is the best female character in any of his movies. Close to. And it's, like. I argue it is because it's the only, not that I'm saying this is the only test you should apply to female characters, but I think it is ah. helpful to do that test of just like, uh, is, is this character in any way defined by them being female? Because so often female characters in movies are, yeah, yeah, their entire function is connected to the fact that they are female, what their relationship is to someone else, you know? And this is just like a character that could have been played by a, a male Anyone actor. Be, yeah. Sure, but I mean, but one could also argue that there's nothing, you know, that, that uh, having a character who is defined by the fact that they're female isn't necessarily, you know, like you don't necessarily write strong women characters just by writing yeah, characters who could also be men. Right? I, I agree. Mean, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. It's not a unilateral like, test. I, I think no, Gong Lee's character in Miami Vice is she's, kind of She's the other argument. Like, that's I think a good she's, one. I mean, she's yeah. a really moving I love, I mean, character. Uh, that's one yes. of my favorite. That's a good argument. More backstory, more backstory, by the way, than anyone else in that movie. Yes. Yeah. We haven't recorded that episode yet. That's the only reason I feel like she's not pinging for you. That's the only episode we haven't recorded. That is probably the fact. I'm trying to, but yeah, I mean, certainly also Viola is just, so as good. she is in almost any movie, such yeah. a talent that like, oh, yeah. 
you can give her a very thinly written role. Right. Not that this is per se, but yeah. like, you know, and she can bring a ton to it. We've talked about this before, I think, but uh, that she says in interviews that her like uh, acting model is a cat. Right. Like, she likes watching cats a lot. Mm. And she's like, cat behavior is so fascinating. If you watch a cat and you can't figure out what they're thinking and you can't figure out when they're going to pounce and when they're going to recoil and all of that. Right. That she's like, no human being will ever be more interesting to watch than any random cat. <laughs> but my goal is to try to get as close as I can. Yeah. And so many of the scenes in this where like she's in an office with John Ortiz and it's her just her glances and her blinks. And you're just going like, what the fuck is this woman thinking? Yeah. I, I did think like this is like watching a cat. Like this is like, is she about to blow up mm-hmm. or is she going to quietly walk out of the room? Yeah. Um, and her death scene is one of the, it's yeah. a, probably the best like moment in this movie. It's very, yeah, that whole sequence. And it yeah. falls at a perfect point in the movie. And uh, it does feel like kind of like, what's the, you know, like all, like a good all is lost moment. Yeah. yeah but also like the just man's intent of trying to like get in his character's heads. Yeah. And you see that little like, the tower that just kind of fades out in the fog. And mm-hmm. it's like, you're like, this is the last thing this woman's ever going to see. You know, like it's Jesus. really, really just like sends Ooh. shivers up your spine. That's profound. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, this movie, the deaths are all so sort of abrupt like that. Like even the, the final triumphant s- screwdriver stabbings. They're, like They're meaningless in that sort of way that he is obsessed with, where it's like death is such a brutal act. And then that affects the people around them so much, but the actual the act the physical act of violence upon you that kills you is so sort of abrupt and weird. And then the black hat guy, Sadak, whatever is you know, is yeah. it, he has that line where he's like, "Yeah, he's gone now, so I'm not good. like why yeah, right. be sympathetic? Like why have emotions about it? He's not right. here anymore." Yeah, the player like, has exited. The later. player has exited the game. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. right. Black hat hacker. Black hat. It is such a good black tongue. Hacker, black hat hacker. No, but yeah. it's a black hat hacker named Hathaway. That's the tongue <laughs> no, twister. He's not a black hat. He's a white hat. Yeah. I guess they he call was him a black they, hat at the beginning. He kind of becomes The thing white. he was arrested for, I was, think, was, was a little black hat. Yeah. But they don't, they don't, I think it was the trailer, right? Where they say the actual words black hat hacker named Hathaway. Yeah, which they don't in the movie. They don't in the movie. No. Right. I think that was a moment where people were laughing at the trailer. Yeah. When they say black hat hat. Well, fuck black hat hack. Black hat hack. <laughs> uh, so hack. we got, we also, we should talk about uh, Lee Hong Wong and Tang Wei uh-huh. uh, from Lust Caution, yes. which we've covered on this podcast. Uh-huh. They were lovers there. Yes. They are uh, brother, brother and sister, and sister here. here. Yeah. Uh, Tang Wei's pretty great. I agree. Uh, yeah. I think she falls a little bit prey to just, I, I sense in her that thing that happens where it's just like her facility with English, she speaks well in this movie you can kind of tell that she's uncomfortable. Sure. You know? Yeah. I, I think the scenes where she is speaking in her native language, she is so much more sort of arresting she's so just in her sort in of physical presence. Caution. Right. And in less caution, that yeah. some of the English language scenes in this movie, I just see the trepidation of someone who's like, I hope I'm getting this right. You know? Yeah. yeah. But she is very good in it. Uh, and he's very good too. We already shouted out whole McElhaney. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for season two of Man- Mind Hunter. Where is that? Bring me that. Uh, I've I that seems to be uh, on from, route. Yes. No, no. From what I hear, it's it's like a Fincher thing. I mean, the studio stopped yeah. working with Fincher as well, and he moved over to TV. He set up three HBO projects. They shut all of them down. Yeah. Two of them were already filming because he was too difficult. And apparently, uh, Mindhunter has just been very, very slow coming back together. Yeah. But I also like uh, you know I have actor friends who have worked on Mindhunter who are like it's the fucking best. Right. 
Uh, he's there the whole time. and He's there the whole time, and you get to spend, like, four days working on two lines. Right. Uh, you know, and, and then the opposite of that is Soderbergh, where they're like, it's great, you do 27 pages in two hours. <laughs> right. um, I, I feel like actors want one or the other. Yeah. The, the middle is what I mean, they like, want. When I talked to Soderbergh about High Flying Bird, he couldn't stop emphasizing how fast the iPhone makes everything. Yeah. Like, he just loves He's like, you set up so quickly. Right. It's great. And, and then I, you just walk over there and you set up again. And like, I'm in the van going back from set and I'm editing the footage. Right. By that night, I've already put it into the timeline. Um, no, I, I, I have heard from people who are supposed to be in the next season of uh, Mindhunter right. that were like, I've been like on hold for six months. Right. Presumably, I'm going to film it sometime. I don't know when we're starting. I'm not allowed Insane. to work. I'm supposed to be in it. <sighs> Weird industry. Weird industry. Weird industry. So you were at the, the BAM screening of the director's cut. I was. When First was time that? he showed it. Yes. Is yeah. that like a couple years later? Like, is that 2017? Uh, it's 2016. February 2016. Okay, so it's, so like, it's like a year later. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's yeah. one year later. And he said at the time that he wasn't done. Of course. Like, he hinted that he was still going to be editing. But at the yeah. same time, I like, he... Like, the film is, was, I think, kind of out of his hands. Okay. Even though he had final cut and sure. everything, but he doesn't own the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that was actually kind of a big deal. Like, 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 it's Legendary's movie. Because right. yeah. I remember asking him something like, um, I said, oh, you know, will the, will the director's cut be, you know, released or whatever? Yeah. And, and he said, it's, it's really Legendary's call. And I think I even asked him, you know, like backstage about like, is there ever going to be like a soundtrack right, album yeah. release for Black Hat? And he was like, it's, it's really not up to me at all. It's very weird how persistent the director's cut has been in terms of popping up every like six to eight months oh, in yeah. different places without ever being like consistently available anywhere. No. That's, that's only available true. watching on like fucking FX with commercial breaks now, yeah. you yeah. know? I or have... that it was on TNT. Yes. You can't rent it anywhere. No. They've never released it digitally. Yeah. Yeah. I had assumed that why we had not gotten a physical release or whatever is because he was still tinkering. But yeah, maybe it's also be. just an unprofitable uh, I mean, proposition. You know, so in the digital age, is, isn't it just like pushing a button? I agree. Them? I don't right. fucking know. This, I mean, this is, well, but, but that's that's what they've done. Is I know. That they, you know, yeah. FX has been, you know. But, um, I mean, this is a movie whose star is Australian. Yes. But its Australian release was scrapped yeah. after its opening weekend because it was so... It just did so poorly. Its yeah. Chinese release was scrapped. Right. Yeah, would, and, and it's like half the movie, you look at it, it's like, oh, right. this was designed yeah, to be released it, in China. It's insane that this movie never came out in China. Like, That's crazy. Or it came out in Hong Kong, but not in China. Yeah, it didn't, it's not like it made any money. Right, in they Hong just Kong. completely yeah. abandoned this. Yeah, it did come out in the United Kingdom. You know, it had some international release, but uh, yeah, not in. They, they, it didn't come out in China. It's but it's cr- I mean, we've been grabbing on this uh, uh, the whole mini series. It's crazy that this is his lowest grossing film, unadjusted, including Thief and the Keep. Yeah, really? Like, including like Manhunter? Yeah, yeah including oh, wow. all of them. Like wow. adjusted for inflation, it is roundly beaten. Yeah, yeah. But even unadjusted, the keep does more theatrically than this does. No, the keep no? is the one that does. Oh, really? The keep is four point two unadjusted. Okay. But, but it beats it adjusted. Right. Thief is like eight. Oh. Uh Thief made eleven. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which adjusted is 37. I mean, right. they've, they've played. And this opens to number 11 and makes seven in total. Eight. 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 Okay. Yeah. Gotta give him some credit. No. Worldwide <laughs> no. or domestic? Domestically. Domestic. Uh, domestic eight. Worldwide 19. Okay. Not, Not good. That is good. just. It costs sad. 70. Yeah. 
Cost it's, seven. I thought it cost a little more. I, I mean, yeah. I'm, it may have. I feel like more. that's legendary's reported it number. Do, it's not like it looks like an incredibly expensive movie, but it was filmed in all sorts of places. Right. Uh, it has some of those location, like that shot in Malaysia of the you know the tin, yeah, mines or what you know like is incredible. Like, what's that place? Like, oh, yeah. I, tell me more. <laughs> Legendary <laughs> says they lost ninety million dollars on it. Um, the soundtrack thing is also interesting because it, what, it's two credit people. It's Harry Gregson Win- uh, Williams and Atticus Ross. Right. Yeah. Who worked with uh, Trent Reznor yeah, on yeah, his yeah. scores. And, and Harry Gregson Williams was upset. Both the of them have right. said that they don't recognize any of their compositions <laughs> well, in the half movie. Half the score is the score from Elysium. Right. Which He's is so amazing. Weird. Like, yes, you know. I know. But it, just, just to like imagine that was like he used that as a temp Zimmer's track. Thin red line score right. and stuff. Like, yeah. I think, I think like, he uses things as temp tracks and then gets so committed to them that right. he's just like, just license it. Yeah, right. But yeah. they were like, we don't hear any of our score in this movie. We don't stand by this. It's a weird score. And Michael Mann's response was like, if you want people to hear your music, be a fucking recording artist. <laughs> <laughs> like, he had some public statement that was like. If you're a composer, you hand me the thing and I'll do whatever the fuck I want with it, you goddamn egg. <laughs> that is my impression of Michael Mann. <laughs> you dumb egg. You dumb egg. Get um, out of my face, Hemsworth. So let's let's look at this box office okay. weekend. Um, we all know the movie The Crush. So this is the Martin Luther King weekend. American Sniper. This is the weekend American Sniper goes wide? It's the weekend American Sniper. Uh, it's gross increases by 18,000%. <sighs> Uh, yeah, going wide, it makes $107 million. Crazy. In its fourth week of release. An R-rated drama opening in January, making $100 million opening weekend. Yeah, it goes, in the, you know, opening weekend. Right, yeah. but uh, yeah. wide it release, It goes from yes. four screens to 3,500. Right. Um, American Sniper. You cannot and overstate how effective that trailer I is. Think that, that is one of the great It's a very good trailer. Trailers. Um, like Black Hat. Should probably not be opening on Martin Luther King weekend anyway. Agreed. But no one knew. No one knew American Sniper was going to obviously eat its lunch with be that. The highest grossing <laughs> film of that year. Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that doesn't make any sense is like, like, but I'm saying like, also, I would not say that American Sniper should be opening on Martin Luther yeah. King weekend either. Seemed weird. But uh, like, again, quote unquote opening. Yeah. But uh, it did. And then, and right, that's now become the time you open. Uh, uh, military uh, Valor strong. movies. Open, right. like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, whatchamacallit, Lone Survivor. Give me, yes, which made. Lone yeah. Survivor was uh, before, though, right? Was before, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. 13, maybe. But yeah, yeah that's, but that's, I mean, become, but does like, Patriot's Day coming come out that time? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, the yeah. classic, like, uh, expanded the beginning of right. January thing. Yeah. Uh, Zero Dark 30. Zero Dark 30, expanded in January, yeah. Mm-hmm. And did well, did very well. Yes, those yeah. movies all did well. Black right. Hat. Seeing here opened at number eleven for four million dollars. So so that's an issue. It's so embarrassing to open outside, outside the top of the ten, 10 in like, tough. especially in a dead time of year. Yeah, like even if you have a big movie below the out. fifth weekend of Night at the Museum, Secret of the Tomb. <sighs> you know, like that's where it's opening below right, that. Right below the fourth week of Unbroken. How These movies ca- don't exist. I was the only me? person at my screen. So you went to see it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I went to see it too. There was also some storm. I think we talked about that. Griffin, there was like a... Oh, there was a big snowstorm. Snowstorm? Because yeah. I went to see the last screen of Black Hat with the fear that You'd be uh, locked I the might theater. be snowed in. I had this uh, weird experience at Sundance because, um, you know, Sundance was a little while after, right right after this. Right. And I was supposed to go to a screening of, um, oh God, what was the uh, the um, the Wolf Pack? I remember. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I went to the, the, I like got on the wrong bus or something like that. It happens. 
And and I'd been thinking that day, I was like, you know, I should maybe go see Black Hat because it's like the last day that it's going to be in theaters. It was clearly going to be, it was a Thursday night. And I got on the wrong, like, Sundance show. I actually did not get on a Sundance show. I actually got got on on a a bus. bus, And at the point when I realized that I was, like, going the wrong way and I was totally out of the way, I was like, oh, I got to get off this bus. I got to get off. I get off the bus and I, I, I am standing in front of a mall with a theater showing Black Hat. Oh, yeah. And it's nice. like, but I, I wound up going to, you know, like you the, the publicists came and got me and I had to go see, uh, you the know, the Wolfpack. Wolfpack. But I was like, this, this is a sign from God. Like I was, I was here for the final show of Black Hat and I could have gone to see it, but I didn't. Yeah. Okay. This answer is not as good as I thought it was going to be, but I want to ask you two guys okay. anyway. How many Academy Award winners appear in Night of the Museum 3, Secret of the Tomb? Winners. Winners. Jesus. I thought it was five. Is Robin Williams in it? Correct. So that's one. Okay. Uh, Amy, Amy Adams is in it, right? She's but in she, two. She's not she's one. In two. She's in and two, she only a nominee. Uh, give me some clues here. I, I forgot that Mickey Rooney had never won, but he's in it. But he's only been nominated. Well, he has an honorary Oscar. Yeah. Does that count? Right. Hugh Jackman, who's been nominated, didn't win. Sure. Ben Stiller. If you want to count, if you want to count Mickey Rooney, it's four. There are two other people who have won Best Lead Actor, who are in Night Museum Three: Secret of the Tomb. Give me a clue. Oh, well, Rami Malek. Correct. Because he plays oh, yeah. like a uh, pharaoh or yeah, something, yeah. right? I believe he plays King Tut. Yeah. Sure. Right. Is that possible? Yeah. He's, he's kind or, of the or main Ramses or somebody like that. character. Maybe he's Ramsey. Uh, uh, he plays uh, Achman Ra. Ben is fully checked out at this point. And then I believe his father in the film. His yep, father? Yeah, correct. He's credited as Ox father. Ben, ben Kingsley. Kingsley. I literally, you, you could have let me guess <laughs> that. I didn't even know he was in it. Yeah. But I was like, Sir who would ben. who what, who would you like lazily cast? Right. What Oscar winner will you lazily cast in the third night of the museum to play an Egyptian god or whatever? Dan Stevens. And he would say yes. Rebel Wilson. Sure. Ricky Gervais. Oh, God. Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke. Mm. Dick Is Van Dyke. Oscar? No, no. And it's actually a big shame. Hmm. All right. It's actually, it's actually a big shame. So number two at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, a new film. Mm. What's the disparity in numbers between American Sniper and number two? This movie opens to 25. Wow. Yeah. It's there a good counter There are two huge openings this week. Wow. Black Hat is the non-huge opening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who knew this would end up being such a blockbuster weekend? Okay. It opens to 25. What's its final gross? Good question. And this is an expansion. This is a proper January release. Yes. Okay. Final Girl 76, mm. Worldwide 268. Mm. Uh, spawned a sequel that everybody loves. You being sarcastic? No. The sequel is loved. Yes. More than the first? Yes. But I think you and I think opposite. Oh, oh, we're talking about our main man, Paddington. Paddington. Which we get dragged a lot. And I think Paddington 1 is better by a hair. By a single bear's hair. I think yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, th- I think they're essentially equivalent. I mean, I tweet this thing that I think Parabellum is the best of the three John Wick movies, but I also think those movies are essentially equal. Uh, I agree. I think they just work as a whole, and I want to spend as much time in the John Wick universe and the much time in the Paddington universe as I can until, of course, uh, Paddington versus Wick, Dawn of Justice. Bill, do you care about the Paddington movies? I like them. Yeah. I like them. I, I, I had to review both of them, and 
gave him good reviews. I love. I thought. I thought. You know, Hugh Grant. Yeah. Really kind yes. of deserved. Knuckles McGinty. Yeah. yeah. Knuckles McGinty. Yeah. Brandon Gleeson. Knuckles um, Yeah. No. I, I actually. And it's as as a parent, it's actually really nice when movies like that come around and super fucking well made. Yeah, and you can actually like take your child to them multiple times yeah. without feeling incredibly guilty. I'll say also, I I would never wish this fate upon him. Yeah. But don't you every time there's a new fucking Disney quote unquote live action adaptation go like I wish they'd just let Paul King do this. Right. Like he's the only guy who fucking is able to capture this shit. Yeah. Like Mary Poppins Returns should have been directed by Paul King. I I love Favreau's Jungle Book. I like Favreau's Jungle Book. I like genuinely love that movie. I like it. So I'm also, you know. So you're kind of in on Lion King. I am. The thing is, I'm not a big fan of Lion King. Me neither. You know, no, the original. None of us are. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean. I mean, it's, it, you know. It's like I, it's I trust Favreau to do a decent job with it, but who the hell knows. So I had predicted it was going to be the highest grossing film in history. I predicted this about two years ago. Yeah. I was doubling down and down and down and down until the recent spat of marketing that <laughs> uh, reminded everyone, uh, most of all me, that uh, most of these animals are gross looking and lack personality in real life. Yeah, they're not and as charismatic. Now I'm worried the movie won't connect. Because I feel like I the, the animals in Jungle Book were a lot more stylized. I think it's still going to connect. I think it'll be maybe the sixth highest grossing movie in history. I don't think it's going to end up being number one. I don't think it's going to be number one. I don't either. I think it was very wrong. I'm, I, I think it will be interesting after this year when, you know, Disney has Avengers, mm-hmm. has an Endgame. Has episode nine mm-hmm. and this, which will probably be one of the biggest live action. It'll be one of the ten after this year. Yeah. like they'll never have another year no. like this one. No, like this will kind Toy of be. And Toy Story four and, and Toy Story four two. Yeah. and Frozen two. They're going to have the two biggest yeah. animated movies of all time, the and biggest superhero this, movie of all time. And after yeah. this, you are just going to he- see articles about Disney struggling because they right. are never going to be able to match what they Someone do Someone tweeted year. today, but yeah. just like, you know, good for them. They're going to have an incredible year. Well-deserved. I do not pity the person who has to sell their profits next year. And if you think about it, to, it's, to it's their actually, investors. and it's kind of across the board, too, with the studios. Yeah. Like, this is, we're sort of coming to the end of, the franchises that define the era this was of the David's temple. David's big argument right? is that everything's I mean, been shaped around these franchises, and yeah. most of those franchises are hitting their cycle ends. And yeah. next year looks really weird. Oh yeah, it's, and 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 at the same time, for the other studios, a lot of the other kind of big franchises have died. Yeah, right. I mean, Transformers isn't making the kind of money it used to. No. Yeah, and they need Pirates to, of the Caribbean yeah. is over. And and um, in both those cases, it's very clear that the lesson is like we need to give it some time. Like they yes. can't force it again. Right. Yeah. Um, here's Disney's 2020 onward which what do you think of that trailer uh, I agree yeah although if it wants to be like Dungeons and Dragonsy, I'm all in but it kind of looks like you know I was very excited six of one I was very up. excited by the premise sure I will admit I auditioned for that movie you did. You did. I believe I did not get the part you don't think so I think I did not receive the lead I, role in Onward. I've I've heard otherwise but this, <laughs> rumors. it Look, remains there are, to be seen there are persistent rumors the last I check, I am not top build on the poster for Onward. <laughs> so that's my argument against me being in it. Right. Uh, who knows? All right. I would love to be as surprised as everyone else. Uh, yeah, I think it looks okay. I, I find the premise very exciting. I hope it's just a bad trailer. Which Pixar movies often are kind of Do you know what trailer. the actual plot is? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Are you allowed to, are you allowed to tell us? No, maybe I, I'm not allowed. Okay. okay so okay. then, yeah, I won't say anything. All right. Onward. Mulan. Yeah, which I, you know, I am excited by the fact that Nikki Haro is directing that. Sure. I like her a lot. I like whale riding. 
did you see McFarland USA? No, I, I saw McFarland. I like most McFarland. McFarland USA. McFarland USA is actually like secretly kind of a great movie. See, the, see, the, I agree with this, and the fact that she did that within the Disney system, yeah, right, right, makes right. me think like Mulan might be kind of cool. And it's got a really cool cast. I'm not opposed to Mulan. Like yeah. Mulan is the kind of thing where I'm like, have at it. Oh, yeah. I don't have enough affection for the original where I'm like, you're, it's a sacred cow. And this like, is the other reason I'm kind of excited for yeah. Mulan because Mulan doesn't have that same legendary status yeah. where they have to hit the same beats. Yeah, I think it does I for think there's like, a, little, a certain quadrant. No, but years, I, was, but like, I was the Mulan the age. age yeah. There are people who obviously love Mulan, yeah. but I just think they're allowed a little more freedom yeah. in how they can make Agreed. more historically also, accurate. Yeah, also because its sources are so kind of right. eclectic and diverse, and it's just like a bunch of different myths kind of. You I think know, Mulan like, could be cool. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the trailer Agreed. comes out and Mulan is chunky. Right. Onward. Mulan. Yeah. Okay. Mulan is Marvel chunky. 1, which I think a lot of people assume is Black Widow. Uh, yes. Uh, Artemis Fowl, which got bumped to Memorial Day from August. Uh-huh. Uh, the Kenneth Branagh. About a child thief. Yeah, which could it, that that's a franchise if it hits because there's like a lot of the books. There's a lot of books, right? But who knows? Yeah, it feels a little past its. I mean, peak cultural relevancy. But go on. But you never know. Uh huh. Untitled Pixar, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, right. There's supposed to be two Pixar's next. Mm-hmm. Week. Yeah, Jungle Cruise. Yeah, now look, we both love John Collette Sarah. This is my no big... idea if it's a big box office player, but like I'm oh, hoping I'm, you know, sign me up. Yeah. Uh, the one and only Ivan. I have no idea what that is. That's a weird, it's like animals in a zoo. Mike White wrote it. It's about like a polar bear or something. I don't know. Okay. Another, off a so, sounds great. Another yeah, it Mar- sounds kind of rad. Another Marvel, which I think people so, assume is Eternals. Correct. So I like that's, that's a presumption. Uh, you know, a bit of a, both, both Marvels this year are kind of, you know, like, let's see if this goes. Chloe right? Zhao making a movie that right as of now, apparently stars Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani and Angelina Jolie. Jolie which sounds is, great. Sounds pretty fucking cool. Uh, uh, some kind of uh, whatever the Disney movie is, the animated Disney movie. That's like a Thanksgiving project. Oh yeah, because they Disney. canceled a bunch of them. And I don't know what Cruella, that's supposed to be. Which yeah. like okay, so like that's like what well, like you're saying, like a period For some of reason, uncertainty exactly. is beginning. Yes. Twenty nineteen was cast as this insane year where they add Fox. They have a Star Wars, a Frozen, a right. Toy Story, a Marvel. Uh, uh, like, if, you know, it like, actually makes me wonder: game. like, do they know something that we don't? Like, are the billionaires like getting ready to kind of pull up the the, the know, walls and get on their boats <laughs> while the VR. rest of us fucking drown and burn and die? <laughs> it honestly oh, feels boy. that way. They're like, okay, so we have to let's just agree by 2019, we end the Infinity Saga, yeah, we yeah, end yeah, Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah people yeah. need some closure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let yeah. them go out happy before even, we leave them stranded on their shitty dying planet. Like even yeah, twenty twenty one has Avatar and yeah, I mean, Indiana po- Jones. Poor like, James Cameron is like <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here We're to save the day, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like as, you, as he's drowning. <laughs> do you think that's part of those movies getting pushed back? Is that like James Cameron knows when the Earth is going to expire better than anyone else, and he's like. Okay, we got a couple more years, so let me just push off the Avatar announcement. <laughs> the Avatar movie is gonna come out after humanity dies yeah, on yeah, Earth. Yeah, yeah, right. And he'll be like, "Yeah, no, I, it's finished. It's finished. You can come look at it. Ah, too bad roads yeah. don't exist. It's uh, in Canada. My movie's yeah, in Canada. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, we I think we all agree that the future of the movie industry is very interesting and in flux. I always, I just always get annoyed at anyone who writes the article that's like, "This is it. It's definitive." X, you know, like, you know, because of like six months of box office growth, like, you know, like, here's, you know. here's the thing that I'm interested in right now is just like, what, what is, cause I feel like for the last five or six years, 
minus uh, 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 a fucking funny guy like me throwing a, a Lion King argument into the mix, there's been like a clear like this is going to be the highest grossing film of the year. Uh-huh. This is coming out. This will be the sure, highest grossing right, film of the year. Right. You can call it a year out in advance. I don't know if there is one next year. Yeah, I don't either. Like there are big movies, but I don't know if there's a like, well, obviously. Everyone's going to go see. This it. is just going to demolish. Yeah. But Joker. Then- when the Joker comes out this That's year, this ben. year it's gonna change the world. Even better, Tenet. Tenet. That's right. Peter Rabbit two, Sonic the Hedgehog, Voyager, Doctor Doolittle, Godzilla vs Kong. This, I'm this looking at other thing. studios things now. I'm telling you, it's, New it's Mutants, insane. James Bond twenty five comes out in April. Let's see if that sticks. But Bond, right? One assumes Bond will come out that year. Trolls That's World two, World Tour. Sorry, Fast and Furious nine, Wonder Woman. That's twenty twenty now. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Minions: The Rise of Gru. Well, yeah. All right. Maybe that's your number one. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, to- Wait, is Michael Mann directing that? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Top Gun. This guy Gru. He's a. Uh, what, what voice am I doing now? That's yeah. not Michael Mann. You yellow fuck. <laughs> you dumb egg. Um, they do <laughs> look kind of look like dumb eggs. Uh, Ghostbusters: The Rise of Boys again. <laughs> I mean, this these are weird. Like, there's a lot of untitled blank event films. Uh, Morbius, the Jared Leto Morbius movie that everyone's been demanding. What's Venom 2? That uh, should be 2020. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't see it here on the schedule. Maybe I mean, it might be untitled Sony. It says, you know what? Here it says 2020 untitled Sony Marvel sequel. So that's probably Venom 2. Yeah, what else? Unless it's uh, Into the Spider-Verse or something like that. It could sure, be. Sure, Spider-Verse 2 or Spider-Man right. junior year, you know, whatever. This is a weird list of, <laughs> like, there's so many of these, when like. Black Panther 2? That's happening, 2021. Right? 2021. Everyone, yeah. There's, like, a Marvel, like, February 2021 that everyone assumes is Black Panther. Yeah. There's so I many of Feige these, will like, soon uh, do this thing where he's, like, here it is, folks. Here, the logos of the movies that right. have not been written or cast yet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Untitled Universal Event Film 4. Well, that actually that sounds really good that might be a big one Untitled WB <laughs> Event Film 2 yeah what if I'm working for Deadline and I'm like everyone knows that Untitled Universal <laughs> Event Film 4 is the most the safest bet of the summer we all know this Untitled Amblin Project like what is an event film Green Book Every, 2 Black Hat's an event Green film Book. there's events Yes, I do love when they just call yes. an event film where it's like, what does that mean? It means it's not a superhero movie or animated, but like, I don't know, some shit will happen. Well, like here, we'll this is a building like or two. untitled universal event comedy. This isn't just some untitled universal comedy. They're calling it right. this That's where be. they're like, look, Kevin Hart is choice number one. If he passes, we're going to call <laughs> right. up, I don't like, you know, Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, get off your phone. Okay, sorry. I feel, I feel like you're getting sucked into all the untitled events of the I'm, next 50 I'm years. Go on. What about this one? I mean, Un- untitled Affirm Films Coach Project. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, could literally be anything. I, I mean, isn't, isn't Affirm, Affirm Films one of those yeah, sort of inspirational movies? Yeah. 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 But they're now staking but like, out half untitled. half the movies are about coaches, so that right. really could be anything. It is true. Yeah, there's some guy whose job is like, every week there's an article in any local newspaper about a coach. Yeah. Send it to me and I will deem it. I'll see if it's yeah. inspirational yeah. enough. Right. Untitled Affirm they, they, Coach Google, Event They've got their film. Google alert for yeah. coach yeah. and like, Dead Triumph. child, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. and they have their Easter weekend After release a town date. Tragedy, right? Yeah. They're just waiting for the right court yeah. coach. Yeah, and he's Co- like an old coma. fucking call. Who's an Oscar winner from the '90s who needs work? Right? You know, what like, if that slot ends up just being a, a movie adaptation of Craig T. Nelson's Coach? A firm was like, we couldn't find one. It's just here. We took an episode. That's what will start to happen. They'll be like, yeah. 
We think there's a lot of uh, you know potential for Major Dad the movie, right? Like yeah. it'll become that. <laughs> hey, it's a brand name. People know Major Dad. He's a major. They're gonna do dad. a Golden Girl cinematic universe where yeah. each of them have their, have their own film. Yeah, right, right. It's the, just young Blanche. origins, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just love saying colon origins. That's like my favorite stupid studio pitch Sophia Petrillo origins Wolverine. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, we're, Wolverine. there are no good jokes left. Well, now we're done with man. I mean, we're going to have a bonus episode. We're done with Michael Mann. We're going to do the bonus of uh, Miami Vice pilot, which yeah. we've talked about a lot today, and that'll come out Which he Thursday. didn't direct, but didn't direct. obviously his fingerprints We always try to throw in a little bit. bonus. That's something they didn't direct, but it's sort of connected to them in some way. What's your favorite man, Bilgo? That's we'll a good do our question. in the bonus, but yeah, do you ha- could you pick a favorite? Uh, it, it has to be Heat. I agree. I mean, Heat is like in my all-time top five, six, seven movies. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, gun to my head, if I had to like watch a Michael Mann movie mm-hmm. right this minute, I, I think I'd pick Miami Vice. Wow. That's the one two. I can't stop watching. Wow. But like, you know. You're, the, you're a fiend for Vice. I am a fiend for Vice. Vicitos. Um, Vicita. <laughs> Don't you wish we had a theme restaurant just so we could name dishes like that? You know what I'm saying? Yes, of course I do. Sounds uh, great. I wish we could have a punny menu and just have a restaurant that's like celebrating all of our favorite movies. Like our own planet. We should buy a planet Hollywood, David. You like, and I. Just like a disused and yeah. turn it into like Griffin and David's blank check, you know, food bag. Griffin and David present dinner. It's like those, it's like those, there used to be a restaurant in D.C. Uh, it was called Cities. Uh-huh. And I don't know if it's still there. It might be. But like, you know, every year or something like that or every season, it would be a different city. That rules. Right. So like, that would be what you oh, do. Oh, like, we would theme, re-theme the restaurant right, to the ministry. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it would be well, like for 12 weeks only, like Michael Mann's dinner. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was even thinking we could like just lot put sh- out recipes, right? So we could put out like our Michael Mann nachos and then everyone can make their own nachos and eat along or you could, to the yeah, podcast. Just, you could solicit recipes. You could say, right. if, you were, if you were to make a dish called Michael Mann nachos, okay. what would be in it? My, Michael Manicotti? <laughs> nice. Hey, it's Manicoy. <laughs> Thief quiche? That doesn't really work. I'm trying to think. Michael Mann does. Does he eat? Like he doesn't strike me as someone who's like the, the like I, a gourmet. I, I think he owns a restaurant. Fuck. Really? I believe he owns. I I could be what wrong if he about made the, a restaurant. I believe movie. he owns a restaurant in Miami. He's a guy. Mm. Oh, David, like a look it up. Owner. Look it up right now. But he is a guy where I would believe you if you told me like no, he just takes spoonfuls of protein powder. You, given how many like diner scenes are in his movies, yeah. though, you know. Yes. Uh, the but like that, that. Now I want him to make a kitchen movie because yeah. it. That's also about like people under pressure. Like barking at each other. Like his version like, of Big Night, like yeah, people exactly. would die. Professionalism <laughs> that consumes you. Should have directed yeah. Burnt. Should have made Burnt. Burnt. Oh, he could have done. Like burnt. I could. Could've Michael Mann working with Bradley Cooper would probably be a blast. Bradley, like, Bradley Cooper, Cooper is one of those only movie stars oh, yeah, yeah. left. I feel oh, like Bradley Cooper. Obsessive occupation. The chef is like one yes. of the most obsessed. Right. Right. Where it's like you're completely. You don't have a personal life. Cooper and DiCaprio any Michael feel Mann like the two info. guys who could get Michael Mann a green light today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they'd have to work on it like it wouldn't be an easy green light no, but I but feel no, like those 100%. two guys with the right source material and being like I'll look over them Yeah, I'll make sure the thing gets done on time right um, anyway we're gonna put the blank check millions into buying a Planet Hollywood yeah yeah contribute to our Patreon so that we can own a restaurant <laughs> we'll end it's up just, like Michael Clayton it's gonna be like in an airport like it's gonna be in like O'Hare yeah. <laughs> it's like a counter 
You know, you know how there was that big lawsuit where they had all the Cheers locations at airports and there was like a robot George Went and a robot John Ratzenberger and they would just sort of like talk at the bar so you could feel like you were at Cheers. Okay. And the two of them sued and then the people in the restaurants were like, no, these aren't your characters. This is just a fat, depressed man and <laughs> fact-obsessed mailman. <laughs> and they like won so much money in the lawsuit that right. all of them got shut down. We should also buy those robots and retrofit and put right. them in our clothes. <laughs> so buy Planet Hollywoods, buy the robots from Cheers, and then it's just the two of us, and they just are playing uh, the box office game yeah. eternally. Yeah, so you can sit there and be like, "Oh my god, I'm there." Griffin isn't know. looking at his phone. Also, there's no chefs, there's no waiters. No, this thing you would lose. Just, you just go, and it's a. Mess. It takes like three hours this, for your meal to come this out. This thing we're pitching would make Black Hat look proper. <laughs> <laughs> It would lose the most money in history. We'd be like in the record books, but like, oh, oh, the worst business proposition. The of number all time. one. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bilga, thank you so much for thank being you. here. This was fun. Uh, always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, my my mom has uh, called your your previous appearance, the Dunkirk episode, the most relaxing uh, podcast episode. She's oh ever no! Listened oh to. my god! No, it's <laughs> she's good. Like, He's like a very relaxing man. Yeah. It was meant purely as a compliment. She was okay. like, I was like really stressed out. That is listened. funny though, considering that Dunkirk is, is one, like, of one of the most movies yeah. ever made. Nerve-wracking yes. film yes. ever made. No, she was like, I've listened to that episode like ten times because I find him very relaxing. Jeez, that's nice. wow. Yeah. So oh. you know, take that to the bank. Add that to your resume. Start with an. ASMR. I was going to say, we've had some asmr guests, and you're one of them. Yeah. Miriam Bale is very asmr Some of them, you know, some people have very... Vanderwerf, I find very relaxing on the mic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, maybe this is a little spent. Maybe this is a profitable venture. David's rubbing his hands together. That's ASMR. So that's Michael Mann. And then uh, there's no there's no palate cleanser. In no, between, we, we we're we're we're, we're, we're going straight into in. Miyazaki, the castle of I'm gonna fuck up the name again. Cagliostro. Yeah, that's the right. I got it's it. The castle of Cagliostro. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Howl's Moving Podcast. I was about to say. I thought yeah. Howl's Moving Podcast was the title. Yes. Um. So yeah, going uh uh uh. I was I don't know. I was go make buy some your funny Miyazaki DVDs. Or go find out when it's playing in theaters near you because they're playing all around the country. That's or go to your local library. Go That's to your local library. We love libraries and we're going to buy a library and turn it into something else too. <laughs> we're going to lose all our money. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Gudo for our social media. Joe Bowen, Pat Rounds for our artwork. Lee Montgomery for our theme song. Go to blankies.red.com for some real nerdy shit. Go to Public for some real nerdy shirts. Uh, go to our Patreon uh, for... Uh, the Michael Mann bonus episodes we've done, including the uh, us playing the keep role-playing game uh, and our continuing trek through uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, via commentary. Uh, and as always, uh, bla- bla- black hat, hat, black hat, 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 hat.